Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 76, Woolit, from 1968. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode's brought to you by Ford, the 2020 Ford Mustang, unparalleled performance. Six available high-powered engine means that every 2020 Mustang comes with performance in its DNA. Shout out to Ford. Shout out to Ford. Well, thank you so much, Ford. Especially, you know, in a, in a difficult time like this, I'm glad there are still companies willing to spend money on little podcasts like ours. Yeah. And uh, give us both brand new Mustangs to, <laughs> you know, park in our driveway and just show off as we as we social distance from one another. Yeah. So as we mentioned, just in case. So before we get into anything, we put out a little bonus episode between all, all sorts out of sorts on dates in terms of release schedule. So oh, there yeah. was so two weeks ago. We did our two-lane blacktop episode. Then that Friday, we put out a bonus episode because they had delayed Fast and Furious 9 for a year, and we said we're no longer covering Bloodshot. We're going Mm -hmm. to cover Bullet. Then we put out yesterday as we're recording this, Too Fast, Too Furious. So this is the next episode in that line of succession. So in case your podcatcher missed – if you missed one of those episodes, there is a couple. Those are the ones. So make sure you get the two-lane blacktop. Make sure you get Too Fast, Too Furious. Yep. If you want to catch up on the Fast and Furious 9 news, you can. You don't have to listen to that. That was just sort of like a breaking news kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Here we are. After the break, we will be talking about Bullet. But it's been crazy times, Joe. Oh, Extracurricular activities. What What have you been up to in your self-quarantining since uh, since we last did? I don't know what this, su- I don't know what this <laughs> segment's going to be. I don't know either. I just want to say, though, first of all, I am thriving. Okay? This is like probably the best time of my life like i've been training for this let's let's not say it like that i'm saying personally i've been training for this you know i hate people you know i hate leaving the house it's great nobody's bothering me nobody's like trying to come to see me people don't want to come hang out it's fabulous in that sense personally for me and dealing with people it is wonderful so I haven't been doing much. I just don't want to have a repeat Vanessa Hudgens situation on our hands where we get canceled because you say this is a good thing. I, I didn't say it was a good thing. I didn't say, uh, some people are going to die. My social distancing techniques are on point. You've I'm been self-imposing very... social distancing for 30 years now. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm enjoying. So we, we've been cooking. We made a lot of soups. Uh, we've been baking, just all kinds of like cooking things. It's just fantastic. I get drunk. Nobody's bothering me. I don't need to wake up at a certain time. It doesn't matter when I'm hungover or not. I'm having a very good time right now, and I'm really enjoying it. I hope everybody else is having a fun at-home time. Oh, like watching lots of trash TV and movies. So that's what I've been up to. I feel like it's a very worrying time, even though I feel like I'm safe. Like I'm living not in the middle of nowhere, but I live not in a city, so I feel like I'm safe. I mean, you're you're on the outskirts of a city, but you're you know you're not at risk there I don't i'm think. still going like, to the hospital and stuff so true so it's, it's a troubling time just because as you know people are dying and as the global economy is collapsing slowly yep. but surely it's just it's a, it's a weird time and i have this weird sort of like neurotic sense of like guilt that like i'm not doing like i just feel like anxious and antsy that i'm not doing things in what sense like you're not doing my job like i still things? have my job we were just talking about this before we started okay. recording that you know my job is safe but it's like instead of having things to do all day because basically the world is on pause 
you know, I was working from home anyway, so I'm continuing that. Like nothing. Yeah, so it's jarring to you, right? Like this is like a very weird thing that like you're normally at home, but now you're like, I don't have to do anything at home. Like I want to be doing things because I feel like just to get my mind off of things and just to feel productive and feel helpful and useful. And like I want like, you know, before we started recording this, I had like this like hour long chat with my boss about like what to do next and all this different stuff. And like that's going to give me purpose, at least, you know, for the Mm -hmm. foreseeable future, which is good. Good. Because I don't want to treat this as like I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to play video games and watch movies, which I which I am because like what else am I literally going to fill my day with? But at the same yes. time, I want to be productive and constructive and creative and like podcast and do work stuff and everything like that. It just feels well, like there's not that. there's nothing to do really, and so <laughs> it's a weird time for someone who is like a double alpha such as myself, where I'm trying where I'm trying you're very, to you're very used to self motivating working in a work from home environment, right? So like yes. I get it. So you're the lack of structure is throwing you off. Whereas for yes. me, I'm like and this is every day is a fucking Saturday. This is incredible. Right. I don't want to make myself out to be a martyr here, but like I feel like the dumb things that we have lost, like going to the movies, in a way have hurt me more just because that was my escape from the same thing. Oh, for thing. sure. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, you're not like martyred in that. It's just like a very enjoyable thing. Like you, you lost something very specific that you find very enjoyable that you do all the time. I get it. Right. And I don't want to say, because, you know, as people like are dying and losing their jobs and so many things are yeah. uncertain and, you know, there's so much fear. I don't want to be like, I can't go see Bloodshot in the theater. It's like a bad thing. But like my you spend a lot escape, of time in theaters. Yeah, right. My escape is now just like walking around my neighborhood for an hour. And that's it. And like I live alone with my cat and she's just hanging out. You know, we're, we're just buds. But like I have Facebook chat and stuff like that. But like even though it's almost literally the same thing on my as a normal week, I've almost never felt more isolated just because mm-hmm. I can't take that next step and just it's a weird time man and uh it's very weird we're gonna have to get used to it we gotta get used to it because this is not changing anytime soon and i feel like the more i read the more i just scare myself and i'm like oh no like i want to keep a balance between realistic of like oh things are not going to go back to normal anytime soon but i also don't want to think that like i don't want to have that on the brain because that's not helping anything it's yeah, hard to juggle those reading two different the things. news that's why, dude, just got to find some good trash TV to watch. Well, that's the other, like, people are like, oh, I'm running out of things to watch. I'm like, how are you running out of things to watch? Like, this is, like, my, <laughs> this is my one opportunity to, like, catch up on things. Like, I am crushing my backlog of TV. I've got my little good. list of movies I'm going to go through. And, like, I got so many things here. The free time eating up, that's not my issue at all. Like, this is like, oh, I've been, like, in terms of your social distancing, like, you've been preparing, like, I'm just like, oh, free time? I got this under control. I got my ordered lists and yeah, everything. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm good there. It's just everything else. I'm just like, oh, no. Like, what what happens now? And so... I'm always feeling reassured because all of the, the people that I work with, and I work with a lot of doctors, they're, like, skeptical, but they're optimistic. They're just cautionary, right? So yeah. that's good. They're not freaking out. That's, like, very comforting to me. I see a lot of emails from them, and they're like, these are the plans we have in place. And, you know, I see the ones for treating patients and stuff like that. They all have very serious, very succinct plans with redundancies and backups and stuff like that. That is actually calming me a lot and why part of the reason why I'm not as worried, right? Because I'm not getting my information from the news I get a lot of it from them, and th- and they're still very calm. Because what also, like, what's driving me crazier than anything else is, like, we have a mutual friend who did this, but it's not just her, it's everyone. It's like, oh, my neighbor's cousin's son <laughs> works for the government, and, like, they're saying that this is going to happen. It's like, it's copypasta. Like, it's just, like, it's the same, it's the, chain it's mail. the nonsense. It's chain Yeah, mail. it's just a new version. Fear. We're not helping anything by just being like, we're going on governmental lockdown for 15 days starting Sunday. Like, go out now. Like, that's just instilling panic and like 
Yeah. Just don't panic. Don't panic. No. I went to the store today. I got some extra stuff that I needed. Also, I was thinking about this when I was there earlier. Okay, obviously, if you're listening, you know about the whole toilet paper shortage thing going on there. Does everybody else in the world only buy, like, one roll of toilet paper at a time? When I buy toilet paper, I buy, like, a, a gigantic pack, pack, and right? I buy it nine months later, and I'm good for, you know what I mean? Like, That's I have what I'm saying. probably eight or ten rolls here. Like, I'm still, I'm good for months and months and months. This is the other thing I said. I was like, look, I live in a house with Rachel where, like, she uses, like, a lot more toilet paper than I do, right? Because, like, that's just how it works. I'm like, if I was a single dude, like a bachelor, like, I would need, like, two rolls before, like, the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, two rolls can last me, like, months. I I don't get it, man. I was like, does everybody else live, like, I know people live paycheck to paycheck, but is everybody else living roll to roll in their house? so. (laughs) It was so confusing to me. I was like, man, I'd never really thought about this before. But, like, I haven't been sweating the toilet paper thing because I was like, oh, I got, like, seven rolls like we're good for a couple weeks like it's not that big just of a hide, deal. hide one from rachel and that can be yours and she can have the other six and you're still good for a month and then even if i do use it it's like six squares max you know like how much toilet paper are people going through i don't get I it i don't know man it's crazy i guess our new our new thing is that instead of going to the movies here in this segment when when nbc universal is dropping things vod i mean i guess that's the new normal like i'm waiting like they have not announced it yet but like bloodshot's gotta be following in its footsteps like, oh it's we're still, be close we're still yeah. doing the thing where movies that are not out yet that theoretically will make a billion dollars are getting delayed because they don't want to eat the cost there but stuff that's yeah. already in theaters that basically it's like oh we're nobody's done. gonna cooked. see this now yeah you know as amc and regal and alamo and some other ones are just closing all their chains for at least you know a couple of weeks if not a month or more you know the hunt and the invisible man and emma mm-hmm. and trolls and like all these things are going to be either available now or soon or whatever bloodshot you know we said don't go i know that wes went because wes is a rebellious young scamp do not risk your health. Don't go see movies. Even though now, I don't think you can see a movie. Like, I think everything's closed anyway. But yeah, it's done. Like, there's no, it's not going to make more money in the box no, office. So, like, it's definitely while not. it's on people's minds, while the marketing is still out there. While you did promo for it. Yeah. Top it. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I think that, that that's a fun thing about this, actually. We were talking about this. We were talking about this in one of our groups about the, the benefits of seeing a movie in a theater versus seeing it at home. Yep. There's a lot of benefits to seeing it in a theater. I like seeing movies in a theater, but I also like watching movies at home. This will be eye-opening and I think there's a lot of movies that really probably don't need to be in a theater and that a lot of movies would do better if they just went straight to VOD like we're seeing this with Netflix releases and stuff like that so like I hope that it inspires you know production companies to you know maybe try this out a little bit you know, make some, like, lower-budget movies that, like, don't really show up in a theater and, like, come out, and you're like, okay, this is cool. Well, I think that's what we've seen over the past decade or so, is that there's the $200 million movies, and there's movies that cost a million dollars or less, but there's that middle ground that is basically dying. Like, the movies that cost, like, 5 to 20 basically don't exist anymore, because, to your point, either stuff yeah. gets dumped on Netflix, or stuff is, like, an Avengers movie, right? And that yep. middle ground is already dead, but there are movies like Emma, like The Invisible Man, like the, a lot of what Blumhouse is doing. Like Blumhouse is a fascinating company, and not to make this into an entire podcast about the marketing and development of movies, but like Blumhouse has basically this strategy where they make like, they're like, okay, we're going to spend a million dollars on 20 different movies, and one of these movies is going to make $100 million. And like, we're just set from that. And like, even if 19 movies flop, they 
have a good enough track record and their talent and their development or whatever is so good that one of those movies is going to propel them forward for another year. And like, it's a fascinating way. That's awesome. Yeah. There's been really interesting stuff. And so like those kind of movies, I think the issue putting those on VOD or whatever is that people don't know where to look. I feel like because we are so fragmented in terms of streaming, there needs to be some kind of like, almost like a Rotten what's on tonight or whatever. Like what's the new release, whatever. Yeah. Like maybe an IMDb or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't want... Going back to your, what you said a, a couple minutes ago, I don't want movie theaters to go out of business. I think that they play a vital role. I obviously love going to the movies more I than agree. most people. But I also think that the upside, and this is a very, very slim silver lining in an otherwise turd-filled year and situation development, is that I think that this is going to make people address antiquated business structures that have sure. carried the same, like, we've done it this way because we've always done it this way. And I feel like movie theaters have been hanging on, they've been trying all these different things, whether it's Movie Pass or A-List or whatever, you know, bigger screens, louder screens, whatever. They've been trying to stave off the inevitable. And I feel like now that there's not, you know, say there's six months without movie theaters, right? Like They're going to have to figure some shit out. Yeah. You're either going to delay everything and then it's going to be like nothing but blockbusters which is going to be like a weird thing anyway. And then like, they're all going to lose money that way. Because like if you and Rachel, like, I'm only going to see one movie this month, right? You have to choose between like eight huge movies. Like you're not going to go see, like just knowing. No, I'm just going to be like, I'll wait for the rest of them. Exactly. And so like, you're going to lose money that way too. So like, take advantage of it somehow and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting time. And that's, you know, there's, there's industries all over the place that are like that. So, oh, you know, for sure. I, I'm just, I feel bad for small businesses and people who, you know, are, you know, my friend's a wedding photographer and she said that like all of her uh, weddings have gotten canceled or postponed. Yep. And like, what do you do? Like, there's literally nothing you can do. And like, no. hopefully you're in a place where you can sort of weather that storm and her husband works and everything. But like, man, oh man, it just, it's, it's tough it's to be on your own in the situation. I agree. I'm really nervous for people like that. And I hope that. Everybody pulls together and helps each other, and we all do the right thing. Like, you know, like, when there's, like, a hurricane or something, they're like, go donate blood, go give money here, go do yep. this. Like, there's, like, that that bullet list. I feel like right now there's none of that. I feel like it just don't go outside. It's like things don't do, right? Like, it's not things yes. to do. It's just, like, don't do this, don't well, do no, that. They've, and they've like, started requesting smart, but it's blood like, and stuff. I want to be, like, like how can I help? Because, like, I have, not that I, you know, want to invite strangers in here, but, like, you know, if shit goes really wrong, my I have a house to myself, like, friends could stay here or you know Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't know how but i want to feel i feel like i want to do more and like i don't know where to begin they're definitely having trouble um getting blood so if you do want to donate blood i know that at least uh yale's asking for a ton of blood donations so that's one thing to do yeah but you can do all kinds of things like that go help stock somewhere soup kitchen stuffs all that stuff needs help like you know if you have free time i was gonna say this earlier when you were like oh i feel like i I need to do more and i was like if you felt like you needed to do socially more like communitive things right like community building things i'm sure you can find something to do and help kick in your little part it's it'll be something dumb and small but you know you'll feel good about it at least. Yeah. You know, we're doing, I, and I do think, and I don't want to, you know, make what we're doing here sound more important than it is because we are just talking about Fast and Furious movies on repeat forever. But I think that yes. there's a value and a credit to the normalcy of doing things like this that, like, to the couple hundred people or whatever who listen to these, this, this podcast, sure. like, yep. in a world filled with chaos, I think, you know, and this is going back to what I've said in terms of running the network from the beginning, like, the only thing I care about is making sure you hit your deadlines because I think that people really care and really value and really cherish having that consistency. And whether you're a mm-hmm. show of 10 listeners or millions of listeners, 
every Tuesday morning or every Monday night or whatever, there's going to be a new episode of this. And, like, it's just dumb nonsense where we're babbling about Steve McQueen for two hours, right? And, like, Roman and Tyrese or whatever. But, like, we're doing something small and good here, and I'm just happy that people are still out there and listening and, you know, writing in Same. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and we'll keep doing it until something – until shit really breaks – so yeah. we'll be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope we get a lot more emails because people are just going to be like at home bored all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Basically. Write <laughs> in more emails. Family at cageclub.me. We'll read them. All right. And speaking of, actually, first, we have a Patreon page on the show, patreon.com slash too fast, too forever. Also, we know that, like, you know, if you're concerned about your financials, don't give us money. We're, we're fine. Like, yeah, we're please just, don't. We'll be okay. We're just, this money sitting in a bank account that we're not really spending. Like, if you need to cancel or if you want to suspend or whatever, we get Nobody's it. Nobody's going to judge you. Yep. That's said shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, all for supporting us over there. Thank you so much at the $5 level or above. If you do want to vote, cast your vote in this ra- in this lap, mm-hmm. if you want to help us pick a thing to watch, whatever, TooFast2Forever.com, go do that thing over there. Actually, I've not checked our reviews in a while. Let's see if there's a new review, because mm. you know it doesn't cost Maybe. money, Joe. A review? It does not. Leaving us a nice review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, we still have no new reviews. Hopefully people find us while we're like, while they're bunkered down, right? Somebody's going to be like, I just watched all these Fast and the Furious movies over and over again. Be like, but I still want more content. And then like, we find like one person that listens and they're like, boy, do we. Yes. Be like a little glimmer of hope. That person would have like the best day ever. Well, I mean, yep. or the worst day ever if they hate us. But <laughs> one or the other, I do not know. I truly do. Not they would know. be excited. Yes. They would be excited for thirty-five seconds when they realize it existed, right? Like people at least like that. this, and I still don't fully understand why, but I also do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, no new reviews. Twenty-one ratings. All five stars. Go to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a good rating review. Whatever you want to do. Thank you so very much. But Joe, mailbag. You mentioned earlier, family. At cageclub.me, we got five yes. emails. Five emails. Okay, cool. So here's what's going on. I feel like when did when was the last time we recorded? Was it a long time ago? I can't. Yeah, I was so it was a week ago. Okay, I'm so lost track of days. Because today, today we're recording on Wednesday, and I was like, when did I do that thing? I was like, Monday. I was like, shit. Like Monday was forever ago. Like, yeah. It feels time is no longer a flat circle. Time is just <laughs> no. like it's stretched out. It's an endless runway, like in Fast and the Furious Six. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, there's no end in sight. <laughs> there's no end in sight, but we're just on the runway, just going 100 miles an hour the whole time, just waiting. Uh, so we've got the first couple emails are from people who joined us for our family watch party, sort of oh, writing cool. in about that. First up, from oh. Justin Kleinman. He says, up, really Justin? enjoyed the watch once I got past that weird surrealism when I signed in without realizing it was a real chat. Anyway, really fun, and I can't wait to do it again. This was actually really funny. So uh, Justin's referencing when he signed in the chat, we were like, hey, Justin, and... <laughs> And I, I I never thought about it from the other perspective, right? Because, like, the only thing that I listen to is us. So, like, mm-hmm. we've already, already talked about it. He was like, it's just very weird that, like, I always hear your voices, but then I'm included in the conversation for once. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a very weird thing. I didn't even think about it. Like, I never saw it like that. So Justin was like, this is so strange that I heard you guys talking to me. Yeah. And it was it was really funny to me. It is weird to just be part of the podcast. Essentially yeah. Not recording. Exactly. He says, doing the character quiz was great. I'd announce who I got, but to paraphrase Dom, what happened during that quiz was just for me. Mm. He says, just wanted to update and apologize for ragging on you about doing a fantasy draft in February. Ours is coming up on the 21st, and 14 of the 16 of us are supposed to be traveling to Chicago for it. Corona's probably putting a stop to all that. Looks like you were the smart ones later, Justin. Oh, he's right. Well, I don't think either of you are going to be smart or dumb about it because there's, for right now, there's no baseball either. So it doesn't really matter when you drafted. We've been running through a lot of different questions in our league about, like, if there is no season, do we redraft? 
if we if there is no season how do keepers work how do the rules that we implemented for this year or for next year like we're Dude, gonna figure that out i'm, I'm three days into my hockey playoffs well i mean <laughs> and, you, you and, were first in the regular season you're just gonna be like a regular you're just gonna be like the, the the premier league right you just you won the regular season you're just you're the champ. i hope i would love that my friends are like what the fuck are we gonna do if this season ends and and i'm in first and the commissioner so it's like i really can't decide guys like i need to let you pick because what do you want it no matter how we slice it i win yeah yeah you know and like i can't be like well this is what we're gonna do or like even suggest a way to do it because i'm like sorry like i'm just for right now we're just in limbo we're like we're just gonna wait it out and see what happens i've been on the bandwagon i feel like this is a very depressing bandwagon to be on but i'm just assuming that we're gonna have no baseball at all and so people are like oh it's gonna be you know we're delaying by two weeks truncated it's gonna be be end of may it's gonna be july 1st or whatever i'm just like i'm just assuming i'm bracing myself for the worst no baseball and then if there is baseball cool like it's a it's a positive come up for yeah, that. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't want to surprise myself happy. for, like, July 1st baseball and then, like, have there be no baseball. Like, yep. it's a weird time. The, the depressing thing in this regard, and I think I, we talked about this on Facebook, you and me, is that, you know, for Olympians, it's an Olympic year, and for college athletes, this like, sucks. seniors, March yes. Madness, and, like, athletes who are in their prime and, like, you know, Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout, like, baseball players who are, like, going to put up crazy stats this year, or, like, the Bucks had a chance at the Bulls' all-time win-loss record. Like, all these different things aren't going to happen and it's it's we'll just you never know, know. In the grand scheme of things irrelevant but also mm-hmm. sucks it really does that's yeah i was thinking about olympians because like you know your olympic window is small right because mm-hmm. it's every four years like you have to be in a prime age at the right time that was training hard for a lot of these guys it's like you get one shot right like that's it oh boy all right next email from jenny mcmullen subject line watch party she says hi guys i've been thinking all week that i should write in about the watch party hope you get this in time for episode 75 we did not but this is for 76 so you're all good there yes it was really cool getting to talk to you guys and listen when i had it muted due to my coughing hope you're feeling better i was able to watch a few parts of the movie she says the rat scene shout out mm. didn't <laughs> seem nearly as bad this time maybe because of the lack of sound or the what kind of room is it discussion which i forgot to say that like we were like oh yeah what, what room is this like where are they in, this in club? the like, club it's, it's way too big it's way too big it's like also like it, but it's not like they take them in the back so it's not like a vip room because there's not like music there you can't see the stage or like anything it's not a champagne room because it's not a strip club right so yeah so we were we were discussing very deeply and too fast what this room was that the rat scene is in. It's not an office, right? Because there's no like office things. It's just very. And strange. I was trying to figure out what kind of room it is in real life, like what they repurposed to be this room. And my best guess is that it's like an entryway to some kind of fancy restaurant, like just kind of like a grand a lobby. lobby. Because like yeah. it's ornate, but it's too big for any other purpose, and like it doesn't feel like it could suit any. Like it's just a weird whatever the opposite of like a multi-purpose room. Like it's not a single-purpose room. It's just like a no. <laughs> purpose room like why are you so decorative and why are you so, so big specifically whatever you are and i don't understand what's going on yeah it did you know what now that you say it it kind of looks like a repurposed entrance to like an olive garden or something right there's like a lot of like fake ornateness which is like very miami but yeah it has like arches and shit like we were like yeah we got really hung up on like what this room is supposed to be also enjoyed the lively debate over how she entered the houseboat which we're also trying to figure out whether ava mendez woke up on the boat if she had showered on the boat if she came but in she's wet how she got out we still you know you and i did Why not agree wet? on that um, which we'll have to wait you know a hundred and something episodes so we get to that part in the minute and you know go from <laughs> we there can really... also by the way don't want to build it up too much but the minute this episode is a clap it's an all-timer tonight i can tell you that much it actually begins and ends on two really great notes so yeah yeah 
Yep, 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 yep. Jenny says we got into a fender bender on Thursday. Oh no! Oh no! When someone in a sucks. pickup crossed into my lane on a two-lane freeway on-ramp. Oh, I hope you're okay. I hope the car's I hope so too. Okay. She says it dented my rear driver's side fender, but I'm okay, and it's all been handled the other driver. I had to drive awesome. my husband's older Jetta with a manual transmission to work so we could get estimates. She mm. says weird that you have to press down on the shifter and go up into first to reverse. It's a VW thing, apparently. See? Yes. Oh, so Audi's. And Porsche has this too. In most cars, you're like up and left is first, right? Down a second. And reverse is far right and um, up, right? One, two, one, two, three, four, five, down. No, far right and down. But in like the German cars, like Porsches, Audi, and stuff like that, the reverse is like all the way to the left and then like you push down and go up. So it's kind of near first gear and it's really confusing if you're not used to it. Just reminds me of that kind of like that gotcha question. It's like, look at this diagram, what's the missing letter? Or mis- what's the missing character or whatever? And it's like, it's supposed to be an R, right? Instead of yeah. like, it's like the one, two, three, four, five. People are like, R. oh, it's six. It's not six. No, it's you not six dumb kids reverse. idiot. Yeah, exactly. But this would be like R and then one, two, three, four, five, six. Or one, two, three, four, five, sorry. She says, see, I just never know when I'm going to have to drive one. Hope you stay safe with all your traveling later, Jenny. Well, no traveling. <laughs> Staying. You know, she wrote this on the 14th. I mean, this was only written four days ago and yet everything yeah. has changed in four days right so yep crazy it has. but yeah no one no one's going anywhere i have a trip planned for the end of may that probably won't happen i don't know i was gonna put like here's the thing here's a question for you i want to get your take what? on air is you know every year i have a barbecue or two and i was thinking about putting on facebook a barbecue because i was planning a barbecue for the week after memorial day which oh. i don't know if we're gonna be able to have that yeah. but do you think it would be a good thing or is it tasteless because i want i want to sort of word it like i think it's a good thing because I, I think people need it's things optimistic. to look forward to. Yeah. yeah, it's optimistic, and it's far enough away that it's not, like, pushing it. It's joyous to be, like, it's hopeful, right, that this is passed by then. I like it, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be, I mean, if you're as long as you're not, like, corona over party, you know, like. No, right. I'm, I am going to call it my social distancing barbecue, though, and, you know. We can all just be six feet apart from each other. What about be, social you know, gathering time. barbecue? Oh, social re- re- undistancing? Social undistancing. Closing the gap barbecue. Do you know how many orgies there are probably going to be? Like, oh, now that we can be close to each other? Not my barbecue, of course, but uh, let's get on top of each other. <sighs> I'm sure that the swingers are just itching in their houses right now. Because everybody's home, right? Nobody's at work. But well, the same th- bunk- I would guess they're maybe all bunkered down together. It's like the ultimate I don't think party. so. I, I guess. I mean, there's, there's different grades of everything. I'm sure that there's a bunch of swingers that are like in a community of friends, and I'm sure that there's some that just like meet up randomly. I'm not part of that community, so I really don't know. But I, I, I guess that know. there's there's a taste for everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jenny, for writing in. I hope I'm glad that you are okay. I'm glad you joined. Okay. You're going to get better. Yeah, and thanks for joining the watch party. I was We had a lot of fun. I'm glad that you, you came. I'm glad that Justin came. I'm glad that Jason came, and it was it was a lot of fun for me, and I hope that we can do another one. I hope that you guys join again. It was because yeah. it was a good time. Nick sends in two emails. One is a car picture we will save for a future episode. Cool. Then he says, we are in too deep. No turning back. Those satisfactions are permanent. Ooh. What is that from? I don't know. Look it up. I don't know. I Googled it. I can't find I don't know. Maybe a King Dre song, In Too Deep? Although it doesn't seem like it's verbatim. I don't know. Okay. Nick, let us know. Yeah. I think he's talking about the Fast and Furious Minute here. He says, well, first off, that's a That's So Brian moment. He could care less on the car because it's not his. Plus... 
when he gets arrested, they say they want realism and never know who's watching, but he did not get his Miranda rights. Oh, very good point. Yeah, Bilkins and Muse did not, uh, or Tanner and Muse did not uh, Miranda him. So Yeah, they Oof. just cuff him. He says, talking about sports, I'm a Bucks fan. Well, congratulations on Tom Brady. Uh, and oh, my yeah. wife likes Duke Duke's men's basketball. Or was he talking about Milwaukee Bucks? B-U-C-S. I don't know. Maybe Buccaneers, maybe Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. If it's Buccaneers, yeah, congrats on Tom Brady, man. And if it's there. Milwaukee Bucks, congratulations on Giannis. Yeah, and if it, it's the Buccaneers, congratulations, because you're about to get AB, too, I'm sure. It's coming. He says, love Tulane, especially the sound, Tulane Blacktop. He says, I play yes. racing and driving games like that. Turn the music down so I can hear the rumble. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. And then he says that his parents have a 39 Ford. Uh, the Ooh. blue one they said he sent. Oh, I might have just spoiled the car he sent. Oh, I think we've guessed this before. I think the car picture he sent in, actually. I'm going to maybe spoil this for you, but I think we've guessed this one before. I was like, this car looks familiar. Okay. Hold on, I'm putting this in the chat right now. Should I open it or no? No, open it. I'm sorry, because I think we've done this car before. I think we have too. I think we he sent that us I think in. he sent that in before. He says, because yeah. he's talking about his 39 Ford, the blue one he sent doesn't have a heater either. The heaters heat up the inside. The wheels that are on the 55 in the movie are the same one on Droopy. That's from the 39 Ford's name on the back, the American Racing 200S. Does mm. anybody make it three yards, motherfucker, and we'll have an automobile race? Love this lap, LOL. I love that line. That line is so good. And um, I just saw like one of my friends on Facebook posted, like, uh, while you're hunkered down, watch these seven car movies that you might not know about. And the picture was Tulane Blacktop. And I was cool. like, well, we just watched Tulane Blacktop. I'll check out the rest of these in this list. What else was on that list? Anything that we're covering this lap? Do you remember? Right, let me look it up, actually. Let me look at this list and see if there's anything else. Cool well, I think it's here. cool, though, as you're looking that up. I think it's cool okay. that Nick sent in that car picture a while ago. Maybe that's why he likes Toon Lane Blacktop, or maybe that's part of the it reason why he so likes Toon Lane Blacktop, because, you know, his family car, the awesome, badass, older car that he has, has actual physical similarities in terms of parts, in terms of look and feel and whatever yeah. to the car in the movie, which is very cool. Seven lesser-known car movies you need to binge-watch while you're hunkered down one is the racers 1955 two thunder road 1958 speedway 1968 winning 1969 two lane blacktop 71 greased lightning 77 greased lightning does that i think it's unrelated to travolta yeah yeah okay and the world's fastest indian uh 2005 huh i don't think i've ever heard of any of those that's what I'm saying. This might be a good list to have to go through. Again, it says, like, it, like, has a list at the top. It's, like, Fast and Furious, Bullet, American Graffiti, Death Proof, Italian Job, both versions. It, like, talks about, like, these are, like, the big ones, right? But right. then, yeah, Smokey and the Bandit, Cannonball Run. So, yeah, maybe we'll have to check these out. Very, very cool. Our last email today, Joe, is from Mr. Wes Hampton. Too Fast, Too Furious, What Up Fam? What up, Wes? It says, love the episode with Nate. I've already said it many times, so won't harp on it, but he's got a great voice for podcasting and great energy. Love his enthusiasm and his unique perspective on 2F2F and Roman. Plus, he shouted out Jimmy the Mechanic a few times, and I have an inexplicable connection to that character. Here are my new episode observations. Cool. Congratulations, boys. This is one of the few times you've changed my mind on something about the series. I like your theory Ah. about the natural evolution of race wars and how Dominus crew might have actually started it as just a weekend hangout, and then it morphed into something more organized. Ah, uh, yeah, because we've been talking about this, yes. I think that that's what it is. I, I think that that's... Wes was saying, you know, maybe he thought it was something a little bit different, but, you know, things evolve, so... He says, however, you will not convince me that Hector is working for Dom. You're not quite there in the minute, but Hector is surrounded by civics, so it makes perfect sense that he would be buying the parts to outfit his own crew for race wars, rather than Dom rebuilding his cars for, quote, one last job. Hector drives a Civic, their Civic's all over the club by his garage, 
Brian finds three civics in his garage being worked on. Brian even tells Dom that Hector's going to be running three civics at Race Wars and lists all the stuff he bought. I think mm-hmm. this is a classic case of us putting more thought into it than the writer and the director anyone thought ever would. <laughs> I doubt they ever thought about how Dom got the parts for his cars, but if he's really as careful as they say, probably ordered his heist parts from a bunch of different places. Ah. Uh, you know, LA's a big city and is uh, decentralizing his build to make it harder to track him. You know, I get all that, but I think what we were saying about Brian listing the parts, like, it, we were saying, like, part of the theory was that there are essentially six civics, right? Like, there's Hector's three... There's Dom's three, kind of. That was right? one of the theories. That's yeah. one of the theories. Yeah, it's interesting. We're gonna have to play it out through the minute and think about it a little bit more. Um, we need more Hector to kind of, you know, get through that and and think about it. Right. I, I like dragging it along as we do the minutes. It makes it more fun. So yeah, as we get further in the movie, I don't get worried, but I, you know, in a hundred, in sixty episodes or whatever, and be like, how do we talk about this movie with a guest? Like, we have to have a guest be like, please, like literally anything you want to talk about because we have dissected this movie any which way you know what i mean just like i don't know how to do it i don't know how to talk about this movie after we finish the minute but you know we'll get there when we get there we'll get there when we get there yeah nothing but time and then we'll figure it out when we get there true Uh, he says nate brought up franchise crossovers i read comics on occasion crossovers are fun especially when it's across companies because there's some there's always some weird dimensional portal that brings the franchises together in a weird way and oftentimes the characters pair up with their counterparts or get mashed up he says wow. Turtles and Ghostbusters did it. I didn't know this, actually. Turtles and Batman did it, and the Batman villains got turned into mutant animals, non-canon. And right now, Turtles and the Power Rangers are in the midst of a crossover event. Oh, uh, Shredder cool. got the damn Green Ranger powers. Imagine that with FNF and the MCU. Okay, actually, I'm going to start thinking about this right now, and maybe you can chime with your own ideas, but who would the FNF characters mash up or pair up with? So here's a list. He already has a list? So he has a list. So who do you think? So I'll, I'll say a person, then you can think... Of their MCU let me know if character. you have a, if you have someone in the MC to okay, okay. so he, he first says Dom so who do you think who do you think Dom would get ma- matched up with he would either be Star Lord or um like the Hulk okay so he says Iron Man or Cap because they're the leaders but fair fair Dom has That's an anger point. problem so Hulk seems like a natural fit yeah I don't know that I would go Star Lord I see where you're going with that maybe like Brian's more of a Star Lord kind of thing like the leader of his own little crew I guess we'll get to that I don't I don't know um, okay he said, I, I I think. Hulk makes sense. I also think Iron Man kind of makes sense. I think Cap is like too goody-goody. Like Dom is not that. Yeah, Iron Man's a good one. I like that. That's a a very good one. Next on his list is Hobbs. Who do you think Hobbs would be? I think Wes's is perfect. I don't think that there's a better... What is it? I don't know. Cap. He says Cap because of course he would. Like he is Captain America. Right? Yeah. That's fair. Letty. Who do you think Letty would be? This is kind of a deeper cut. Ooh. I mean, she's been in a handful of movies. She's got a badass part in Endgame. But who do you think Letty would be? The green one or Black Widow? Who's the green one? The green one from Guardians? Yeah. He says Valkyrie from Thor. Oh, also a good one. You need somebody that plays on like the on the edge a little bit. Gamora, because she was like kind of a thief. Yeah. I think Letty needs to have like a little bit of criminal in her. So one thing that he does not dive into, I don't think, is Guardians at all. So I think that you're building up the Guardians family, which I think also makes sense because they are a found family, just like ours yes. is a found family. Like it feels like yep. the Avengers is a team, but the Guardians yep. is a family, and I think that might make a little bit more sense. I so agree. That also, I guess limits it more because there's only five of them but i was gonna say wes right in who you think guardians wise but like almost by process of elimination like there's not really you can't do much with that so but yeah all right we're gonna keep going okay giselle giselle has to be black widow right yep he says because she's already on that level without superpowers i'm gonna say 
you know, not Marvel, but she's got to be Wonder Woman, of course. Ah. Mia. Who do you think Mia is? Mia's like Hawkeye's wife. Oh, well, that's a di- <laughs> that's one way of going at it. Uh, so Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks, you say. He says Mia would be Captain Marvel, which makes me happy, because he says because somehow she's probably secretly the most powerful of all the crew. Plus, ah. she's the mom of the crew. I think, you know, Captain Marvel just like ultimate. Plus, I love Brie Larson, of course, and so, you know, that makes I me I love Brie Larson, yeah. Han. Who do you think Han is? I don't. I don't. I don't really. This feels like a personal pick on on Wes's part. I don't know that I necessarily agree with him here, but uh, I would. I would pick someone who's literally like a chameleon, like a shapeshifter. Do we have one of these in in MCU? X Men is now owned by them, so I guess Mystique. But we, you know, it's not really X Men's not really in this world yet. Yeah, maybe I would say something like Ant Man. Oh, okay, I can see that. Size, you know I mean? sh- size shifting, at least. Size shifting, funny, you know, can kind of hide, is not the, the most serious one, I guess. Or maybe Ant-Man would be, like, Roman. But, okay, go ahead. He says Hawkeye, because I actually love the character of Hawkeye. He's kind of cool and aloof, but very skilled without powers. Yeah, true. Tej, what do you think about Tej? Tej... See, I'm going to go back to Guardians. I'm going to be like, Tej is like Rocket. Okay, I think the similar angle. He says Iron Man because of the tech angle, but I think Rocket because of the tech angle makes more sense. Yeah. Because Tej is Iron Man does not make sense. No. He's not like powerful enough. Like Rocket's like, I'm going to put stuff together, but he's not like a high tier guy. That's why I was thinking that. Also a criminal. I can also see him as Rhodey, as like War Machine Iron Patriot, you know, like Iron Man's kind of bud. Like, he's also the tech oh. angle there, too. So okay, yeah. See that. that makes sense. Roman, who do you think Roman would be? Wes here picks someone that he thinks that Roman would want to be, but he says but he'd be really bad at it. Oh. He says Black Panther. <laughs> Roman would... If you ask Roman who he would be in the MCU, it, the answer would be Black Panther. But he'd be really bad at it. He says yeah, Ramsey. Like, it's just really fun. Ramsey's definitely Black Panther's sister. Oh, uh, Shuri. Yeah, I like that. He says Ramsey would be Vision because he's like the ultimate hacker. So I feel like oh. Vision is kind of above and beyond. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, it almost might Vision be, would like, be like Cypher to me. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just saying. Uh, Vision would be Cypher to me. Mr. Nobody and Nick Fury would have a lot to talk about or not talk about, as the case may be. Oh, very good point, yeah. And then this one I think is interesting. He says, who do you think he... Brian. Who do you think Brian would be? Like I said, when I was thinking about it, it has to be Star-Lord for me. He says he'd be Thor. I agree with you. I think, I think Star-Lord works. He says Thor because he was always trying to prove himself, but the hammer would let him know he's worthy. Okay, but Thor is like, I guess, I don't know. I guess Brian's a little bit more clean cut and Thor kind of like is... Near, nearer to good, more n- neutral good than he is neutral bad, right? Yeah. So I, I get the Thor reference a lot, but he's such a buster. He's more bumbly than Thor. Well, Thor yeah. is kind of bumbly too, especially he gets fat later. The fat Thor. <laughs> what? I just, I just like your, you know, just it's almost like we're not here. Just like you're just going down this rabbit hole, and I just like that you're just, you know, basically having an ar- argument with yourself. Like I don't know, you know. I don't so I just I'm just like I like listening to your train of thought. I'm just you know yeah I'm laughing as though I'm listening to the podcast. That's fair. This is how I work out a lot of these things in my head. I get it. Yeah. He says that'd be cool, but unfortunately, I think the more likely crossover would be with Transformers, and I'm just not as interested in that. However, I think it would be very cool if you know we have a movie about young Dom, young Letty, young Vince, like you were talking about last episode. You know them in mm-hmm. the 80s or whatever, and then out of nowhere. We got a Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee rolling up. I think that would be cool. It would be really cool. And he's right that I do think that the more appropriate crossover would be Transformers. And I do think that that would be more boring to me. I agree with Wes 100% there. I don't think that it would be as fun. If it was a crossover of Transformers, it would be 
the two separate characters, right? And also, it would be like, the machines are one thing, and the characters are the other. With like a crossover with MCU, we'd see the dynamics of their relationships and personalities better than if you did it with Transformers. And I think that that's ultimately what he was getting at, too. That we would much rather see them, like, how their personalities play out than just, like, oh, Roman driving around Bumblebee being like, this button's fucking sick, and, like, that kind of stuff. I think either, in terms of a logistics point of view, is probably equally likely or unlikely because Fast and Furious is universal, Transformers is Paramount, and, you know, MCU is Disney, so they're all separate distributors, right? And so... There would be, it's not like it's all synergy, right? Where it's like, you know, yeah. the Simpsons and Pixar and Disney and Star Wars could all exist in the same thing. And like, it's all the same parent company, right? Like, yeah. there's going to be a, a negotiation made one way or the other. Technologically, I think it makes sense what Wes is saying, but I agree with you that, like, personality-wise, I think what we care about with these movies, it'd be more interesting to see the characters that we know from the MCU, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. That was a really fun thought process, actually. Like, a thought yeah. experiment. I really liked it. He says, speaking of crossovers, Bloodshot is valiant, not DC, so it's unlikely Bloodshot and Black Adam will ever meet, but we can always dream. I'd love to see them do that close-standing, talking past each other's faces they did at the end of F6 as their comic book counterparts. Mm. So, I guess, I think that was a thing that Valiant maybe was owned by Marvel. Like, Valiant, I knew that Valiant was, or I didn't, I didn't know it was Valiant, but I knew when, I think we were saying this to Nate, I think, I knew at some point, like, it was tied to one of them, and I couldn't remember which, and I couldn't remember it was DC. Like, I'm not in the <laughs> comics world enough to understand the relationships there. I think the it was buyout, tied in the, somehow. The hierarchy... Of, like, yeah. who owns who and what does that mean and Nico explained this to me at one point, because I asked him specifically about something. He's just like, here's how it is. I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to remember any of this. So yeah. In one ear, out the other. It happens. It's okay. We can only give so much of our brain space to, to useless nonsense, and we're doing the Fast and Furious Minute, so yep. gotta, yeah. <laughs> gotta keep space there. Yes, please. He says, speaking of Bloodshot, I went against your advice and saw Bloodshot on Sunday. It was about as good as you might expect based on the trailers, which I have not seen. I like some of the characters and the story has potential, but it was just kind of an excuse to have a bunch of slow motion fight scenes. It says, don't That's get cool. me wrong, I'm all for that. I just think they were missing some of the character moments. Although I will say there are a couple times where I thought, this is the most I've seen Vin Diesel emote in years. Ooh, interesting. He says, the day after I saw it, Alamo announced it's closing all locations temporarily, and like, all I can think is, what if this is the last movie I ever saw in theaters? I don't want to think about that. What was the last one I would have seen in theaters? Onward, I guess? I have no idea. Like, that's what's weird, is that, like, like when my friend came over to install the speakers here, right? And I was like, yeah. do you have, like, a certain song or something that, like, you play when you install something new to, like, oh. that you know really well? For me, when I get a new TV setup or a new surround sound or whatever, I put on the beginning okay. of Lost... Because, like, the opening ah. from the pilot of Lost, because, like, I know that scene, and I want to hear the sounds, and I want to see what it looks like, right? But you, no, you, not really. you know that this is a common thing. Oh, he doesn't have one of these? No, and that's not a surprise, because he's, like, a sound guy, too. All sound guys have this thing, right? And I have a really cool story about this. When I was, um, it would, I was, like, building my speakers, right? And I was hanging out with these hi-fi guys, and they were older guys, and, like, the two... There's two, like, really main sound testing songs that, like, all of these guys use, right? And it's, like, a very common thing. There's, like, this James Bond spoof movie on the album, like, the the actual record. Dusty Springfield sings A Look of Love, okay? Okay. They're like, yeah, we use that. And then there was this other one that was called, like, Big Bang Swing, or something like that, because it has, like, a ton of range in it, right? And it's, like, horn instruments and gotcha. drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they use those things. So, like, I actually have a copy of each of these albums because they were like, look, you need to get these two. Like, if it sounds good with these two, it's good. The thing that I use, though, the song that I always use to test 
speakers or headphones or whatever is always dead mouse's strobe okay because like it's it it uh it channels really well so like if you listen to anything in stereo like it's like very like he has stuff like all the song like the sounds track they move like from the left to the right there's like whale noises in it and it's electronic so i really like that and he masters his music really really well so that's that's my song that i use when i do stuff cool and it's a song that i've heard a million times right i've seen it live i've seen i've heard it in things so like I know what the song's supposed to sound like. I have good copies of it. The song moves really well. It gives me everything that I want when I'm trying to set up speakers. The reason I bring that up is because I think for a lot of things, like when you have something new, you're like, what's the first thing I'm going to do? What's the first movie I'm going to watch? What's the first song I'm going to hear? But I feel like unless there's something planned, you never really get... Like, sometimes you don't get a chance to figure out what your last thing is. And so, like, you know, if the, if the last movie you saw was Bloodshot, it's kind of yeah. depressing. I mean, you could do worse yeah. than the Vin Diesel movie, right? Like, you could... Yeah, you, you know, could. He's the star of your favorite film franchise. You know, it's not yeah. a Fast and Furious movie, but, like, you could have gone and seen whatever trash is out there. Geely. <laughs> More current reference, uh, Fantasy Island, you know, whatever. But, yeah, if you want to go back to Geely, a Ben Affleck movie, sure, why not? Yeah, Alamo's doing, like, Geely night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Random ass Thursday or something. He says he writes in here about uh, what we've been talking about online about they're still having their marathon. But they're going to Postpone you know do it. it next year instead. He says maybe we should write our own version of what we think F nine will be based on the trailer and record a table read or something. Ooh. I feel like I like that idea. That's a level of commitment that I don't want to commit to. I feel awkward writing fan fiction. Right, because it's essentially just fact fan fiction. You know, that's a, a Zephron Lover 19 or a uh, Lunar She-Wolf. I also think that, like, if we go too deep into that, I think that it, we might get too excited and only be... Like, I feel like that it only sets you up for disappointment. Failure, I, yeah, disappointment when the actual movie. You're like, in our version, we found out who No Nice to Nice was, and Giselle came back, and then we had this, and just like, <laughs> oh, none of that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Like, I love that idea. And, like, Wes, if you write a script, we will do something with it. But Oh, we definitely will write it. Even if you write yeah, like, a scene or something. I don't want to build my hopes up for something that, like, is almost certainly... Not that the F9 is going to be bad, but, like, I don't want to get excited about something that's not actually... You know, like, I just... I don't want to disappoint myself by something that, should, like, I shouldn't have even thought of. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. It says, last thing, a friend of mine recently launched a podcast about building fantasy theme parks or attractions around film franchises, which is kind of like Jordan's... I don't know if she talked about it in the Greatest Showman episode or in the Fast and Furious 6 episode episode in lap two or just on her own podcast but jordan and Kara have talked a lot about like building acrobatic like basically what wes is talking about but like about circus like a circus show of speed oh. or a circus show of fast and furious because like how do you adapt That's really the content cool. the story the things like cars or whatever to what you can do in a circus so i think this is something interesting not a theme yeah. park but you know jordan's got that whole thing in circus i feel like we might have talked about it with her or maybe i just heard it in wistful but either way west goes on okay they were planning an episode about fast and furious to coincide with f9's release he said he never seen any of the movies even though they're going to push the episode back until next year he decided to watch them anyway as of last night they had finished tokyo drift and they're loving them i hope they would like Good. the movies but i wasn't really sure so i'm happy they're enjoying the experience they said they both screamed when dom showed up at the end I only wish we could watch along with them for the first time, but it's enough for me that they're fans now. Anyway, I've gone on long enough this week. I look forward to whatever's left of the podcast after coronavirus is done with it. Until next time, stay furious and sickness-free, Wes. Well, thank you for writing in, Wes. I appreciate it. And we're not it. going anywhere, like we said. You know, we're not going is... anywhere. Not leaving your house, there's not much else we can do besides talk to each other about Fast and Furious movies. So, yeah. yeah. 
so if you want to write in next episode, we will read it family at cageclub.me. Send us your thoughts. If you have not written before, just say hello. Send in your rankings. In and out versus Whataburger. What are you doing? Are you watching Fast and Furious? You know, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, actually, hold on. We have another email. I forgot that we have another email. He sends us a different email address. But we have an email from Jason Dickinson. Hold on. Okay. Jason, I did, I did not forget about you. I'm sorry. I just got routed to a different place. Last email we got. This is from Monday from Jason. He says, F9 2021. Hey, what up? Here are my thoughts on F9 being pushed back a whole year. Honestly, it sucks. Because in May, I was making big plans to binge-watch the entire franchise, including Hobbs and Shaw, Stay Fast, yeah. Stay Furious, Ride or Die Fam, Love Ya, P.S., I got my first tattoo. Oh! So a few things there. Number one, what's your tattoo of? Very interested in that. Number two, yes. you would still binge-watch everything in May. You know, there's no, you don't have to wait till next year. We can have, like, a pretend, like, Fast 9 came out party. Like, we're we going to still mean, be talking about it. You and I watched every movie, all the movies, three times a year. Exactly. That's what I mean, yeah. According to Jason, because he lets us know when he's watching the movies, I don't think he's not watching the movies right exactly. now either. Okay, bud, like, we know that you're still watching them. You just didn't get yeah. to watch them all in one day before the new one comes out. But you can still do that. I've done that with Mission Impossible. I've done that with Die Hard. I've done that with the Scream movies. I mean, you could just make your own little marathon. You know, yeah. just do your own thing. I have a playlist digitally that I just, like, put on and just, like, shuffle them, you know? Yeah. You can do whatever you feel like. But if you want to email in family at cageclub.me, let us know what's going on, and uh, we'll read on the next episode when we get it. But, Joe, on the streets, there hasn't been any Fast and Furious news other than the movie getting delayed, but Vin Diesel yeah. has been running his mouth in wonderful ways <laughs> saying We've been talking that about this. <laughs> the end of Furious 7 is the most, the best moment in the history of cinema, that Steven Spielberg said it would be a crime against cinema if he never directed again. I don't know what... Wait, I mean, when he says that he's the J.R.R. Tolkien of music... Remember? I love it. Oh yeah, he's gonna become yeah, he's gonna become a musician now. <laughs> yeah, that Facebook video that he posted several years ago. I don't know if you've seen, but it's just called "You Know I Love Music," and it was celebrating maybe the new Riddick movies box office returns or something. And he was just dancing the Katy Perry's yep. "Dark Horse" and yep. I think a song by Beyonce. It's just like I don't know what is going on. He's I think he's maybe going a little stir crazy. I don't know. It's better than the Vanessa Hudgens alternative. I can tell you that much. I, I agree. It's very wholesome. It's this it's is just aspirational gentle. wonder. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, he is talking some flagrant shit. Spielberg told him it will be a crime against humanity if he never directs another movie. Amazing. I, I don't think Amazing. we have any way to prove that, but if Spielberg didn't come out and say, fuck <laughs> Vin Diesel about this, it's truth to me. That works for me. I was thinking, if this is true, do you think Spielberg like called Scorsese <laughs> And like Tarantino was like, you'll never guess who I just told to make another movie because I'm dying <laughs> to see it. And like those dudes are just cackling to themselves right now. They're Did like, you oh. hear on that note, there was a news story that broke this week that Fiona Apple, the singer. Yes. I think it was Fiona Apple. Hold on. Yes, it was Fiona Apple. That she spent a night in a quote, insufferable <laughs> night doing drugs with Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. And just at first I was like, oh, no, me too. Like, this is going to be terrible. And then, no, it's just like them being like, God, how good are we as directors? Like, can you fucking believe how good we are at making movies yeah that's exactly what i think that it would be like like it's not a surprise but it's fitting that that's true i don't know yeah i like that i like that being locked in a room with tarantino doing cocaine was enough to be like i never want to do this again (laughs) yeah there's one of two extremes there either it's the greatest experience of your life or it's absolute hell like there's no way i think it would be miserable i can't imagine he's fun i like i love his movies i I like him as a person i like interviews and stuff like that but like i feel like he would be very insufferable like 15 minutes into being around him like i can't do this anymore like personality wise for me i'd be like ah shut this guy up like i can't hear him talk about himself anymore it is funny though and then in a it's more serious news that we found out that both Idris 
and uh, the guy who played Tormund in Game of Thrones, who plays, he's the redhead who plays, who's Cypher's right-hand man in Fate, yep. both have coronavirus, and so our thoughts out to both of them. You know, no better way to transition to that than that, but, you know, you know yeah. whether they, you're trapped in a room here in Quentin Tarantino brag, or you're stuck at home with coronavirus, like, you know, thoughts and prayers to both of you. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Not laughing at the coronavirus part, laughing at the at the nice segue you made there. Top of the rock. Even though, you know, we might never have another presidential election again. Who knows? We're going to search here. Dwayne Johnson, president. The Rock halts production on Red Notice in Georgia. That would make sense. Okay. The other thing that I was reading about it was that basically, like, all these TV shows that have shut down production are basically not going to come back. Like, if they had, like, one or two episodes left to film this year, it costs so much money to basically start production up again that a lot of TV seasons are going to get cut short. And so if if there's a show that's, like, in the middle of a season that has not finished yet, like a lot of network stuff, like a lot of stuff on CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, those kind of things, like, just might not actually come back this year. Like, they might just be, like, a awkwardly at the end which is not the end of the world like in terms of a show that's going to come back next year you could just sort of resume the story or whatever you know what i mean but like mm-hmm. if this is the final like there's a show like superstore which my sister loves that america ferrara is the star of that i think i think that's her act, the actor's name i think and she's not coming back like she's like this is my final season and they didn't finish shooting that show so, something's got to break one way or the other right either she's got to come back or they gotta like write her out in a weird way but like i'm sure that they had some kind of like emotional send-off even though it's a comedy another can't so like it's weird things like that too right so that would be like the shittiest way to end your show like as a fan can you imagine if like fast and furious was just like oh no like we're done at eight like that's it it's just over now yeah i'd be like what the fuck like but yeah and then no news for the rock president either so it does not seem like he is running for president still i mean there are other things to go on but yeah i don't know no yeah. rock the vote but you know the last thing i have to do before we take a break is talk about the Fast and the Furious minute. So here's the thing. It's such an iconic moment. I don't know what to call this minute. I It's minute 39. Either yes. a 10-minute car or pop the hood or this is your car. I like a 10-minute car. Okay. Minute 39, I... a 10-minute car. This oxide does blood and gas tank for brain. Do not turn your back on. Hey, Tanner. I'm going to need another car. Hold on. So in this minute, Brian gets Tanner to give him another car. Then he delivers Dom his 10-second car. He goes to Dom's garage, his auto body shop, delivers the car there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they pop the hood, and that's it. But this is... <laughs> We were talking about like it starts at the he has gas tank for brains, nitrous oxide in his blood, his blood, and a gas tank for a brain. Do not turn your back on him. Yes, which is like one of our that's one of my favorite Fast and Furious. It's in it's literally in our podcast write up, like the description for this show. Yes, we've got nitrous oxide in our blood and gas tanks for brains. You know what I mean? So it's it's quarter. And it makes sense. It's it's super appropriate. So we start with that, and we finish with Jesse just about to say overnight parts from japan right like we cut him off like right before he says it this will decimate all after dot 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 yes 
what I noticed here, there's, there's two big things. Number one, this is Dom's auto body shop that I feel like we don't go back. To, like, I want more stuff here. Like, this feels like we should be spending so much time here, and we're not. It's DT Precision Auto Shop, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Dominic Toretto yep. Precision Auto Shop. So yep. that's amazing. And then the other thing that I noticed, and I want to talk about both these things with you, number one is that, but number two, Mia feels really visibly torn in this scene between wanting to make fun of the guy that her family is making fun of, but also like, mm-hmm. oh, but I like him. And like, I don't want to laugh at him, but like, I'm, I kind of want to laugh at him. And that she feels, there's only like a couple glances here and there, and maybe, you know, well, this might just be that we're reading too far into it, but it feels like nope. she's like, I don't know whether to laugh at him or not. It's it's not that. It's that she has a relationship with Brian from the store, Toretto's Cafe. So she has been talking to Brian, and she knows him. And she also knows her family. And she's in one of those weird positions where, like, two friend groups are merging. Yeah. And she's in between. And, like... She knows that they're being nice, and they want to make fun of Brian. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to laugh, but I'm just thinking, like, it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly the situation that Ellie Toretto's in. Like, how do you introduce bad boy Johnny Tran to your family? International bad boy. International bad boy Johnny Tran. Yeah. These Toretto women, you know, they, they just, you know, always Dom's torn, control over their life. Pulled in so many directions all the time. But no, that's what I think it is. And I think that yeah. actually she plays it really well that like, you know, she has to like, she's part of the family, right? So she has to like, you know, she knows these guys, she knows what they're going to do. And she's like laughing with them. But at the same time, she's like, I know Brian's a good guy. And I talk to him at the cafe all the time. So like, I can't like actually laugh at him because like, I don't want him to think I'm different than the girl that works at the cafe because right. that's me too. Yeah, it's, it's an awkward situation. And the other thing that I, I don't think about, but we covered a couple of minutes ago, is that she drove him home from the fort at the party. Like, they had, you know, private one-on-one time there, too, right? She's like, you know, let's get let's get you out of here, whatever, right? So, like, they have this relationship that he doesn't really... Like, he's starting to have with Dom, but with none yes. of the people. And so, like... It's, it's, tough, it's intimidating, it's too. Balance. When you individually come into, like, a new friend group that's been long established, it's it's intimidating, yeah. right? Like, he has to come in and, like, if they make fun of him, like, you, you got to take it, right? Like, yeah. it's either, like, you're like, fuck you guys, I'm never coming back here, or, like, okay, like, I'm the new guy, I get hazed a little bit. Like, that's and what And he happens. gives it back to him, he's just like, you got no faith. He's just like, come on, man, like, you know, pop the hood. Like, yeah. let, let me show you, like, trust me. The thing that I put on Twitter and Facebook today when I did this is, like, this minute is so goddamn good, like, all I can think yes. about is at the end of seven, right, where they have that like montage mm-hmm. that still makes me cry, that like is making me like well up a little bit now. As so I'm thinking about it, when they say goodbye to Paul, they say goodbye to Brian. That shot of him, like, this is your car, like that's just that that arm gesture, and then Dom yep. going, my car, like though it just it's so core to what this movie is, to who these characters mm-hmm. are. And that's why I said name a more iconic duo, like that Kylie and Kendall Jenner meme from, like, forever ago. But it's like, yeah. like this is them. This is just, like, them giving each other shit, but also, like, nothing but love and admiration. And, like, this is who they are. And it's great because you see that, like, Brian is actually a cop trying to arrest a guy undercover. He's just a boy staying in front of a girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Telling her that he loves her. <laughs> Dom is actually a criminal that's, like, working on cars. They bring the car together, and they're both just buds, right? Like, it's, yeah. like, the most bro ta- Like, it's a, just a bro-down. Like, they'll make fun of each other and stuff, but they're like, okay, this is cool, though. You brought a car. I get it. And and they're friendly. So now you found the car that they that he delivers, like, basically the flatbed the tow truck, truck or whatever. The, the tow truck. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what car it is that he delivers? Like, do you see that the hunk of junk with the 2JZ engine? Yeah, it's... Brian Super that we get for the rest of the movie because it's, w- it's not in the minute document. That's all I'm pointing out here. Well, because it's not. Well, <laughs> it's real. It's just the shell of it at this point. Okay. We're gonna get to the car. I was gonna wait till like it's built, right? Because like you don't think about this minute 
this scene to be like, that's the Supra, that's the done Supra. It's Brian Supra. Okay. Yeah, it's I just, was just you know keeping you honest in the minute document. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, you could keep me honest in the minute. I I purposely left it out, honestly. Okay. Yeah, it was an intentional move to be like this wasn't a car. I was more curious about what the car Letty's in front of that has the hood up. Yeah. That I can't figure out what it is, and, and the hood kind of looks like a Monster Energy drink can. Yeah, it says like Jacob's Auto 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 Body or Jacob's Auto Speed something. Speed Sport, Auto Sport. I can't figure out what it... It looks like it could be another Supra, but I'm unsure. Like, the taillights are kind of wacky. I don't know. If somebody knows what it is, write in. Like, what's the black car that Letty's standing in front of that has the Jacobs Auto It's Sport? probably listed on the Internet Movie Car Database. It's not. Probably. It's yeah, not? I looked. It's not. That's why I looked, yes. Wow, okay. Trust me, I I, I, I did my due diligence here. I'm just saying. Like, you I did. Especially today, you got nothing but time. So I'm not, yeah. you know... I do want to point out before... Before we get into the insides, the the signs and everything like that. So okay, so two things. Okay. Number one, I asked resident fashion expert Cara Gayla Regan a couple times a new title that you bestowed to her via Facebook today. Today, yes. I kept sending her screenshots. I'm like, Cara, how would you describe this? Cara, is this belt a wide belt or a chunky belt? Cara, is this? Yes. What do you call jean shorts? Are these jean shorts? And it turns out to be a skirt. But like, I kept sending her like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And yes. I'm like, are these wet? Are these wedged sandals? She said yes. I'm like, I'm learning. So there yes. are things that I'm picking up. But Cara has confirmed a few things in the Fast and Furious Minute document. But the cooler thing I think I found was Jesse's wearing a shirt that, like, I had to pause so many different times because, you know, it's it's kind of like he keeps turning. It's kind of folding on itself. It's not prominent in the, in the screens, in the scene, in the shot. But he's wearing 1985 first annual NHRA Fall Nationals yes. called the Phoenix, Arizona T-shirt. And I Googled and I found the event, like, you know, in the 30th anniversary or whatever of the show. Yeah. Like, I think, like, 2016, they were going back year by year. And so there's, like, this whole write-up of these pictures of the scene. So I was like, this is super cool that the shirt that, like, it just, I mean, not that they're going to make this shirt custom for the movie. If they did, that would have been, like, Race Wars or whatever, right? But, like, yeah, I think it's cool that we were able to find, like, I could I could read. I sort of, like, doing my detective work. What this event feel was. Like, yeah. Like, this is sort of my version of your... What's the address of this place? I'm like, oh, what's this clothing? Oh, here we go. Yes, and you did, and now you like you did learn a little bit about Jesse's character because you're like, oh, you got this shirt. Like, where did he get the shirt from? Right? Like, did his dad give it to him? Did he buy it? Like, the I'm starting to think like, you know, did his dad go and bring the shirt back for Jesse because he knew he would like like this, or did Jesse just see the shirt at a thrift store and was like, this is dope shirt, or you know what I mean? Any of these are, th- are cool possibilities. But yes, that is a really cool thing that you found the event that it was on, and I wish I was hoping could... I could find the shirt too, and I Same. couldn't. But I wanted to like buy it for you and be like. Hey, here's a gift for you. And you'd be like, what is this? And be like, yo, that's Jesse's the shirt, shirt that Jesse wears in the first movie. Not one scene. You'd be like, oh my God. Like, no It'd one would know. the coolest thing ever. But yeah. Yeah. It would be really, really cool. All right. So what's some cool stuff that you found inside signs, products, and model numbers? Because there's a lot going on in this garage. There's a lot in the garage. So I was just trying to see, like, what was going on. I have two big takeaways besides the Dominic Toretto Precision Garage sign, that which I had never noticed, to be honest with you, until we watched this minute. We were catching the stickers on the cars. Remember, we yep, saw like yep. the DTs on all the cars. It's the same logo, and it's really cool that we saw like the signage of this because I'm always noticing like when you see the scene, the the truck is backing up and like the signs like over it, but just like the coloring and like 
the palette of it, it's, like, not very intense to, like, draw your eye to the sign. Another thing that, like, I never really noticed is Dom in front of the contractor's pyramid sign. Love it. That's, like, my favorite part of this scene to discover in the background. I've been to, like, a lot of tattoo shops, and they all have, like, variations of this sign, right? Like, good tattoos aren't cheap, and cheap tattoos aren't good, right? Like, that's, like, the saying. He has this contractor's pyramid sign. It's a triangle, and on one side it says good, on one side it says fast, and the other side it says cheap. And then underneath it it says fast plus good is not cheap. Fast plus cheap is not good. And good and cheap is not fast. And I was like, that's really awesome. This is a really cool sign. Where does Furious fit in? Oh, I'm furious that you're questioning this sign. If, if you try to talk me down in price, I'll be furious at you. Um, I found like all of the stickers on the lockers. I, I wrote down as many as I could make out in the film. One interesting thing that I noticed is that all of the, the tool boxes are craftsmen, not snap-on which they, like, have snap-on tools and, like, things in all the other movies, but all of a sudden they have all these craftsman toolboxes, which actually kind of feels more realistic because they'd probably be a lot cheaper. Dom is drinking a can of Red Bull. Does Nas exist yet? We've talked about this before, but does Nas the drink exist at this point? I don't think so. I don't Because it, so. it exists for two, because Brian drops the tracker in the can in two. But I guess yeah. maybe because of this movie, they made Nas the drink between 01 and 03? Maybe. Because I, I feel like he would have been drinking Nas, but instead he's just drinking Red Bull. Yeah, he's just drinking Red Bull for sure. All the parts that are like laid out, there's like a muffler, headers for your engine, and like a turbo all laid out. So like we know in this scene that they're doing some kind of exhaust work. Some kind of exhaust modifications. You say we know, you know, I don't know what I'm looking at. There's just like a whole bunch of like exhaust parts and like different, they're doing like exhaust things. Because I was like, what are they like working on in the car, right? And like Jesse's like, you know, like grinding and fucking cutting. And I was like, what, I was like, I was wondering if I could piece together like what they were like working on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They have all these exhaust parts around. I bet they're doing something, some kind of exhaust modifications here. Cool. The song Race Against Time by Ja Rule begins. So that's, you know, ah, ja, Rule ja Rule earlier. Ja Rule back here. That's right. The only thing, Joe, trivia question. I got three questions here. I'm thinking we go with the third one, but the three that I wrote down, if there's a better one that you think that we could go with any of these or one that you have, either what type of engine is in the car that Brian gives Don, which is the 2JZ engine. Too easy. Way too easy. It's a meme. It's it's not hard enough for our fans. If, if you ask me you... yesterday... Or this morning, I would not. I I I don't even know. Okay. It, literally, everyone else would. Like ninety nine percent of the people that have seen this movie would know exactly what it is. I think you're way overestimating. I, I'll believe you to a certain extent, but I think that like it's not. Also, as it's popular. become a Fast and the Furious meme as well. But okay, yes. Like to the, okay. to the extent of like Hector's running three cylinders. Yes. With Moon engines. engines yeah. T fifty five turbos. Whatever. Yeah. 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 So then, I mean, we do. We might need gimme questions. But I'll get rid of that. So then, number two. How quickly could the car that Brian gives Dom race a quarter mile? Ten minutes. But that's also in the name of the minute, so I don't know if we want to do that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't like that one. Go ahead. But then a very, very nitpicky thing is what event is commemorated on the shirt that Jesse is wearing? I think that one would cause the most rage from <laughs> my friends watching it. Or you could just do what's what's Dom's garage name? What's the name of Dom's garage? I like the Fall Nationals one, but it is hard, and you'll get lots of angry feedback about it okay so what is the name of the auto body shop that dom owns yes uh we could do toretto's auto body yep for sure dt precision auto body yep 10 second auto body toretto's speed cafe 
Okay. So we got DT Precision Auto Body, which is the right answer. 10-second Auto Body, Toretto's Auto Body, and Toretto's Speed Cafe. Yeah, perfect. That's that's actually a good one. I think that that's pretty good. We're up to 40 questions on the quiz, 39 minutes, 40 questions. So if you have not taken the quiz yet, if you are on a Patreon, you can go find the quiz there. I think it's not too far down. I still have pinned at the top of our Patreon page the poll. If you're not voted in the poll yet, and then also if you want to contribute even a dollar a month, you can vote over there too. On there somewhere is the quiz. I might repost the quiz too. Take the quiz if you have not taken the quiz yet. Wildly difficult, like we said. Even people who listen to every episode have written in a bunch, you know, like Alex and Justin. I, you guys heard me live. I've taken the quiz of questions that I took, that I made with Joey, and didn't do well on. It's hard. Anything else you want to say about the minute, or do you want to take a break and come back and talk about Bullet? I want to come back and talk about Bullet. All right. We'll be right back. Episode number 76, Pit Stop Bullet. This episode is brought to you by Ford, the 2020 Ford Mustang Bullet Edition. Ooh. Is as fast as it looks suggests. The Mustang GT on which the Bullet is based is no slowpoke thanks to its beefy 5.0 V8 engine, which produces oodles of low-down torque and wide rear tires that manage to put the power down reliably. The Bullet Edition. So I don't know if you went and checked your Mustang that you got outside, but did you see that it says Bullet all in the dash? It says Bullet everywhere. Bullet here, Bullet there, Bullet everywhere. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to save the the sponsor surprise for you, but I mean, if the car is just labeled with Bullet everywhere. The funny thing about this movie, and funny is not the right word, but funny thing considering what we're covering it for is that it's not really a car movie it's like a detective movie with like a fucking awesome car chase in it and then like no other car scenes basically in the entire thing which is weird and cool but i was i was all about it i knew about the car chase scene in bullet but i had never seen the movie i didn't expect it to be as much of a not a car movie as it is right part of the detective work that bullet does that the lieutenant frank bullet does is that he follows the taxi that like like there's cars like they're following cars and everything like that but it's basically like He's just following people around, being a detective. Then there's an 11 yeah. minute, a 10 minute, 53 second car chase, and then there's yep. just the rest of the movie. And it's it's not a car movie; it's just a regular, mo- whatever, regular movie, non car movie with a great car scene. So I knew about the car chase. I've seen the car chase before. I was thinking that the car was like going to be an integral part of the movie, a la Two Lane Blacktop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That it was going to be like, oh, they're like he's in the car all the time. But I was pleasantly surprised that he wasn't. Although that that car is really fucking badass, and yeah. I was hoping that there was more of the car in the movie. I was doing some research on this. I'm sure you have a ton of cool facts, too, but let me steal a couple Go from it. the jump. That Steve McQueen, when he made this movie, he said he wanted to be he wanted his 68 Mustang to be a character in the movie. So I was like, oh, in that sense, the car chase scene is awesome, and it, and it definitely relates, right? Like, it feels like the, the cars are integral. They're integral parts of the chase scene. They're definitely not just, like, part of a chase. They feel like they needed to be these cars, these guys driving them, this type of thing. So I'm like, oh, that works really well. But on the reciprocal, if the car is a character, I wish we'd have seen more of that character. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think 
that especially given that like if people know one thing about this movie they know about the car i think the car is even on the poster watching this movie from the fast and the furious where suki and everybody calls him bullet i guess it's more because he's a cop than he's uh this is something i really wanted to suss out with you though they call brian bullet and this is like one of the main things i was thinking about when i was watching this movie does that mean that they know brian was a cop i don't know i think part of it so that's that's what i'm not sure about so i think part of it is that steve mcqueen was a very pretty man with piercing blue eyes blonde hair yes and so i think yes. in that regard there's the cop element of it. There's the car driving element of it. Yeah, he's I a think good driver. A, a lot of different reasons why you might nickname someone Bullet. I think they all apply to Brian, but whether or not Suki and Jimmy and everybody know that he was a cop, I don't know. Yeah, but it's it's a weird like foreshadowing nod of the cap that Brian is a cop, but I don't think that really, like, when they call him to race... Quick question, is he a cop in two, or he just gets called in to help? No, he wasn't a cop. He used to be a cop. Right. Roman knows that he's a cop because he, or he used to be a cop because he thought that Brian helped take him down, right? But, like, he's not going around bragging about it, but he was sort of on the lam running away from L.A., so... I don't know. I I guess he's, he's probably not openly bragging about being a cop. It doesn't seem like anybody in Miami knows Dom's They're not, like, scared of him. Right. And they're not, like, frightened... Because, like, if you had, like, a late-night illegal street race, you wouldn't be like, oh, I got this cop friend, let me call him. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, you call him Bullet, which is, like, Frank Bullet is a cop. I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek from the writer's perspective. Probably that. I think it also, they might just know, because it seems like they're pretty streetwise, they might know that he has, like, he's, you know, kind of got narkish, you know, it feels like Brian kind of is a cop. Like, he, he both feels like a cop and doesn't feel like a cop in every movie, and so I think they might also give him shit for sort of feeling like a cop. I don't know. But yeah, I think there's a lot going on there, and I don't know that we necessarily have an answer, even though... You know, I wrote down that this movie feels like a peek behind the curtain of Brian O'Connor. Like, this sort of feels like Brian in a past life, even though he's a better cop in this movie than I think, sorry, Wes, than Brian ever will be in any of the movies. He is. He he toes the line. He has a lot of Brianisms in him, right? Like, he's he's not being a clean-cut cop, but I think that he's a much better cop. Yes. Than Brian is. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I wrote down a lot of that. We'll go through that as we go through the movie in terms of the fast connections. But he's not, he doesn't play by the rules. He sort of, you know, intentionally breaks the rules for his own benefit to prove, like, works he's outside like, I the know law. what's going on, right? Like, it's not Dom. Yeah. You know, it is not this guy or whatever, right? Like, it's, you know, I, I'm right. I'm smarter than you. Let me do my thing. Stop getting in my way. Yeah. Instead of, like, you know, tripping over himself because of a girl, there's a girl that exists that exists outside of the world. It's all really interesting. Did you, did you like this movie? Can we start there? Oh, I did. I like this movie a whole lot. I like this movie a ton, and I'm surprised I hadn't seen it before. I know that I definitely watched The Car Chase with my father when I was a kid, uh-huh. in the sense that, like, you know, it was on some movie channel, and my dad was like, come here and see this car chase. So, like, I remember just that part, but I don't remember watching the rest of the movie. And there was, like, parts of it where I was, like, watching, and I wasn't, and I, I wasn't really following along, but, like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But it unfolds itself, and it tells you enough that it's not hard to follow. There's no, like, hidden gems or anything that I'm missing, I don't think. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, too. This is considered one of the best movies of 1968, according to Wikipedia. This is, you know, widely regarded. What other movies came out in 68 that you That's can compare against? That's a very good question. Let me find out. That would help me scope So while I'm looking this bit. up, this was directed by Peter Yates, who was a guy who directed this movie, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which is a movie that I have not seen that I want to see, but it's based on a book that my friend Bob, who I think I've mentioned on here or referenced on here, I don't know by name or not, uh, who's basically the, my friend who's got me back into reading, recommended as like this like really, really 
tight, realistic, hyper-realistic crime story. So, oh, like, cool. this book that, like, became a movie, and so this guy directed that. He also Sounds directed Breaking Away, which is a kind of a classic coming-of-age movie about four Indiana, Indiana, I think, teenagers in the 70s. Okay, so in 1968, 2001 A Space Odyssey, great. Rosemary's Baby, Damn. great. Night of the Living Damn. Dead, great. Yep. Once Upon a Time in the West, Planet of the Apes, Hour of the Wolf, Bullet. So those are the top seven on Letterboxd in terms of popularity. That's really cool. That's, also a, that's that a solid year, list. Yellow Submarine, the Beatles movie, <laughs> Barbarella, the Jane Fonda movie, which I've seen, Funny Girl. Yeah, but so it seems like, you know, there's a handful of, like, all-time classics that year. But yeah, Bullet is definitely up there in terms of the best, the most highly, the well-regarded and, uh, you know, most popular movies, for sure. Yeah, it's really good. I get it, and that's a good list, too. Uh, Do you have any other trivia that you wanted to hit me with before we dive into the movie, or before I... I almost have too much that I don't want to do it up front. I kind of want to do it toward the end and just sort of see what comes up naturally in conversation, but anything else that you wanted to say? No, 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 I'll throw it in when I get there. We start the movie off in Chicago. It's like, ooh, Chicago, new city. And then, like, all of a sudden, San Francisco's like, oh, which is also a new city, but, you know, California feels very familiar for a lot of different... You know what I mean? But I was just like, oh, Chicago, we haven't been there. And then almost by the time I recognize that, like, we're in Chicago, you know, we see it on the outside or whatever. It's like, nope, not in Chicago anymore. Yes. No, I thought this too. So I remembered the car, like, had a lot of jump scenes in it, right? Like, it was, like, very, like, hilly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, when we watch it and I see, like, the Chicago Sun-Times or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the background, I was like, man, this movie shot in Chicago. That's really fucking weird. Like, how do we get to the car chase? But then, like, we're instantly in San Francisco five minutes into this movie. Because I think what happened when I was watching this was that I saw Chicago and I was like, I thought this was San Francisco. It's one of the you know the most famous like San Francisco car chases. And I think I looked down to like see like what movie I was thinking about and said Bullet. And I was like, oh. And then I look up and like all of a sudden we were just in San Francisco. I was like, oh, okay. Like I should have just waited 90 seconds and like I would have yeah. been fine. Even though not really knowing anything about this other than the car scene, I knew that like the, it's the up and down, right? Like the hilly. Yes. Yeah. You know that there's like, because the cars get air, right? It reminds me of Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Fast and the Furious. All of these parts of it, I was like, oh, I can see them all in my head. And, like, I'm like, how do we get there in Chicago? Like, Chicago's not that hilly, right? Right. So San Francisco at the time apparently was not considered a great place to film movies. Or not necessarily that it was bad, but it's just, like, people weren't filming movies there. And so they wanted to, like, this was one where they're like, hey, we'll give you, like, crazy, unprecedented access. Make your movie here, please. Yeah, you can see it because there's nobody. They shut down, like, the whole top of San Francisco to Yeah, they closed down multiple streets for three weeks for the car chase scene. They took over the airport at night one night. They gave yeah. an entire wing of a, of a hospital for that thing. Like, they're basically just like, hey, oh, God. we've got these sets for you. Uh, go for it, please. And, like, it Can you works. imagine trying to shoot in San Francisco now and doing a car chase scene up and down the hills? It would be miserable. <laughs> that actually reminds me, and I don't even know, I'm sure Wes knows this being a, an Austin native, but uh, in Austin, there is the airport, which is, like, sort of southeast of the city, right? Like, you've flown into yeah. there. It's sort of in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Near where I used to live, which is sort of, like, northwest-ish, or northeast-ish Austin, I'm real near this thing called Airport Boulevard. And I was like, it's so, like, why Why was this called Airport? Like, it doesn't, there's no, it's not near the airport at all, It was the old all, airport, right? I'm sure. And so back in the 70s, when they built, before they built the new airport, the airport used to be basically like five minutes away from where my sister and I used to live. That's where the airport was. The airport was on Airport Boulevard. But what was cool is I was talking to somebody and they were saying that like when they built the airport before the airport was actually like open to the public, I don't remember what movie it was, but they shot a couple movies there or something basically because they had this like finished airport. They're like, 
hey, we might as well almost like, finished. When airport. are we going to have this opportunity again to basically use like a real airport for a movie? You know, with no restrictions, no limitations, right? So yeah, um, it's always cool when you're able to see like, oh, like that's not a soundstage, that's not a set, that's the real thing. How do they do this? Oh, the city really wanted them to, or oh, the airport wasn't actually open yet. I was just talking about like you saying that they're using an airport that's empty. I was talking about how, like, the second season of Stranger Things, they have that whole sequence in the mall. Yeah. And, like, now all these malls are empty, so they found, like, this old mall. I think it was actually near Chicago. But, like, they found an old mall that's abandoned, and they were like, oh, this is really awesome. We can just shoot in this mall. We don't have to build a soundstage. Like, we have this mall. The stories about, like, the guys buying these malls, like, these investment companies buying these malls and not using them, but only pretty much renting them out to, like, Stranger Things and whatnot is really interesting. Yeah. There's nothing kind of creepier, not to sort of get off track here, but there's nothing kind of creepier than like an abandoned mall. And there's another one yeah. that was in Austin. There was one that was basically like where we lived was not the best part of town. Like we were in a nice little development, but we were sort of like kind of surrounded by the ghetto a little bit. And near us, there was this mall that I'm sure used to be great and then wasn't great when we were there. Every third store had a vacancy or had like had a store there, but like more stores than not were closed. And like there's something really eerie about going through a mall where that's still open, that still stores exist, but there's nothing happening. And like it's like lights aren't on. It's, it's sad. Like, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's sad and it's creepy. I, th- I think it's just that our vision of malls is skewed because like we remember them being full when we were younger. You know, and like now, like there's no malls. So like if you do go to a mall, it's like, you know, one person knitting in some (laughs) random store and you're like, that's kind of spooky. The the plot of this movie is that there is a guy who is in the mob or trying to escape from the mob in Chicago. Wait, what did they call it? They don't call it the mob, though. They call it the organization. The outfit. The outfit. That's right. Which is the Italian based I, like there's a whole like it's, it's the, the real it's the real name of the mob apparently in chicago it's like that's what they were called oh I, I, I didn't know that i looked that up today that was on wikipedia i didn't know that there, there's a guy who wants to basically get away from the mob and so he partners up with this senator he in, stole money from the mob yes and he partners up with the senator to basically like hey like protect me and i'll you know turn on them or whatever bullet and his two partners or two other detectives or whatever are tasked to guard him very quickly because this whole movie takes place over like a weekend right like it's a saturday and a sunday it's like a 48 into, hour movie or yeah, something maybe yeah. early monday which is another way it's sort of similar in in a way to gone in 60 seconds right because it's just like a very tight compressed timeline mm-hmm. window you know very early in the guarding of him not when bullet is there but when one of the other men is there these two hitmen come in and they kill the guy and or they shoot him and they you know they mortally wound him and he dies well, it's kind of weird though the guy they're like these guys want to come up and so he calls Bullet. Well, because they, they say like that's a senator, right? The senator's like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. It's, it's not the senator. They're just saying it's the senator's name. And he calls Bullet, and Bullet's like, the senator at 1 a.m.? Like, I don't think so, dude. Like, don't let him in. You see the guy, like, had gone over to the door and, like, unlocked it to let them in. So here's the confusing thing, and I want to I suss this out. Maybe I just either missed something or it I need to watch it again or something. But in the end, we find out that the guy in the room was not the actual guy. That it was yes. a doppelganger, that it was this other guy, so that the mobster who had stolen the money basically partners up with this guy, you know, has this other guy go to the senator and is like, hey, yeah, this is me, wink, wink, I'm going to get out of the country, right? And so yes. I don't know if the guy was under the wrong impression that this was going to be like he was going to get rescued. I'm not sure why he unlocks it, but that's why, you know. So I think the guy that was the mobster, Ross, 
right? Comes up and he's like, trade identities with me. He might have told this guy that he got into some trouble and he need and he was like being held to testify against the mob. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, switch places with me. I'll get some guys to come rescue you. I'll take your identity. You take my identity. You get some money about this. Because the guy comes in and he unlocks the door for them. And when they shoot the cop, he's like, cool, you don't have to shoot me. That's not how this is supposed to go. He says something along these lines when he's standing on the bed, like backing up from him. And they kill him anyways. In reality, that guy had stolen a bunch of money from the mob. The mob were like, fuck this guy, you're involved anyways. And so these two hitmen that they hire are probably local guys, right? And they don't know what this guy looks like. No, I think they probably sent him in from Chicago. You but think even so? still. Yeah, but they were like, we don't give a fuck who this guy actually is. Like, we're going to kill anybody involved in this. Because I'm just wondering... I don't think that they're local guys. Yeah, I guess. Because they're local if, guys? if they're close to him, they're going to know, like, oh, this isn't the guy. And, like, you know, it doesn't seem like they kill him with any kind of... What's the word? Hesitation? Like, yeah, like, it's just like, oh, no, we're going to... Like, it, it feels like... And I guess it ultimately doesn't matter, right? But it doesn't feel like it's somebody who's close to the outfit. Because it's just like... There's a guy, he's, you know, 5'8 or whatever with brown hair. Kill him, Like, you'll right? kill him. Yeah. Yeah. They maybe have a picture, and I'm like, yeah, that's the guy, whatever, because he's in this room, blah, blah, blah. I'm just wondering what the guy that he swapped, like, because, you know, it makes sense what you're saying is that they're like, okay, he, you know, I stole... He scammed him. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, wh- how is he going to get out of it? Like, you were saying, you know, when we talked about Tulane Blacktop... No, wait, we, no, we were talking about... Sorry. We were talking about Hector, because, of course, we're always talking about Hector. We were talking about yeah. Hector, and, like, you know, if somebody gives you, like, $2,000 tip just to buy parts or whatever, you're not going to ask questions. Like, this guy is, like, you know, it's like, okay, pay $2,000, pretend you're me for a weekend, but then when the weekend's over and it's not him, then what? Like, how does he, how does this guy, how does this, like, random, you know, doppelganger get out of this? I think that he was like, I'm going to send two mob guys to come save you, knowing that two mob guys were looking for him to murder him. You know, Wait. like, he's like, oh, I'm going to send two mob guys to come save you. Like, if anybody comes looking for you, like, those are my men, so they're going to get you out of this. No, I don't think that he sent the guy to kill him, do you, or did he? No, no, the mob was already on the first guy, Ross. Right. He knew this. He go finds another guy that looks like him. He's like, I'm going to give you some money. We're going to go because like, I have to be a witness. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to escape. You're going to be in my place. I'm going to send two mob guys to break you out. They're not going to know it was me. They're not going to know it was you because like, it's my name, but it was your face. And like the two guys will get you out. You'll get out of this. No problem. Here's some money. And but what was really happening was Ross knew that two mob guys were after him to kill him, which is why they knew where he was and knew all the names and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So then the outfit in Chicago never actually sends people or do they? No, they did. Those those two guys were sent to like kill Ross because they're pissed at him for stealing all the money from the mob. And people who understand this movie are probably like screaming right now, but so there's two sets of hitmen or there's just the one set of hitmen? There's one set of hitmen. Ross knew that they were on his tail. The two hitmen were going to come kill him. He just convinces this guy that those are going to be his boys breaking him out. That's what I'm thinking is happening. Because I think it almost makes more sense, and this might not be right, is that if there's no hitmen at, like, I guess there makes, there should be hitmen after him, like, from the official outfit, but it would almost yes. make more sense if, if there was no first set, Now the only set were the ones that Ross hired. Oh. Like, that makes sense. I don't know if that is, if that's what's the, if that's the case or not, but it, it, it's not no, like... No, that makes sense, too. I get that. Because they also say later, Bullet says later, that, like, he killed his wife, too. I think that's also part of the perfect plan, right? Is that, like... Yeah. Oh, like, the guy, he was wanted by the outfit, so that's why he got gunned down. And he was going to turn state's witness. The outfit's only going to hear that, that this guy died. They're not right. going to know who it actually was. That's a good point. I like that, too. Yeah, so I don't got think there's there. a second set at all. I think it's just the one set that, like... 
you know, I thought it was one that, set, but I thought it was one set from the mob. You think it's one set from? I think the, it's just one from set Ross. from Ross that he goes like he yep. just he basically is he escapes and he has you know he's got like a, a little bit of a little bit of window right for those ten seconds he's free and he goes yep. out to California and he he knows that he's that the outfit's going to catch up to him eventually but he's mm-hmm. like okay so I've got a plan I'm going to get out of the country but to do that I'm going to make everybody think I'm dead by finding a doppelganger bribing him saying you know you're, i'm gonna get you out of here but i just need you to like sort of be my bait for a little bit he just kills him and goes from there yeah that makes okay. sense okay. i'm with you whether or not that's what there. actually happens because i i read the wikipedia plot summary and it's like it doesn't really truly break down the plan and i guess maybe no. that's not it's not the point it's just like no. we thought it was the one guy and then bullet realizes it's the other guy and then that's when the chase happens at the end of the airport yeah i guess it's not really concerned with the why as much as the how how the and unfolding what. yes yeah and this is a long way around to the reason i first brought it up in the first place was that one of the hitmen the guy that what they used to kill not ross and shoot the detective okay. and me is a pump action shotgun i was like oh yes truck driver first movie shoots vince with a shotgun oh that's true that's a very good fast connection yeah. i don't think the truck driver separates and hides in his jacket like the one Probably in not. Bullet does, but yeah, that is a good point. Shotgun. And then I wrote down that we something we mentioned earlier that Bullet is distrustful of the government of Senator Chalmers, and then Senator Chalmers is like, "I'm going to hold, like, I'm going to hold you accountable for this death and whatever." And so it's like basically cop against the man, kind of, and the man against the cop, even though they should be on the same side. And it's just once again, it's Brian, his uh, inability to get out of his own way. That's like a really interesting thing for this movie that like he's so distrusting of the senator. Why is the senator running around like a detective in this movie? Do we know? Wikipedia calls him just like an overly ambitious. I think he just like he just can't help but he wants to micromanage. He's like I, I like this is my case. Like I need this to go. You know, maybe if he gets this, he can become oh, because he governor. Mentions... He can become whatever. He can become president. Who knows? That's he, right. He needs this to go smoothly, and I think he's just like he's like literally like. Just don't like it's forty eight hours. Like don't fuck up, please. Like it's not that hard, please. And do he not mentions screw this to him when he's at his house, like this is um franchise Viagra for a detective, right? Like he says something along these lines, like mm-hmm. um you know everybody will move up if this goes through, and like if we can get this done, like it's gonna be great for all of us and our careers will be better and stuff like that. Because he knows this is a big case. It's like you know oh I can I'm I'm gonna yeah. be the man who took down the Chicago mob. Even though I'm in San Francisco, I don't understand how. I don't know how that case gets tried. You it's know a what I mean? federal case, but it's also then why is a senator in California? Do, you know, it's just like why is it not like a federal a federal court? I don't know. It's just I maybe I just don't understand politics. I don't know. But it feels like this is going to be like this is the case of a lifetime, right? Like he needs everything to yep. go smooth, which is also like why is he staying at this like dumpy motel? Why is they not like at a better location? Why is it just one guy on duty? Like there's a lot of things here that are like. Oh, you should have been a little bit more meticulous if it's really that important. Yeah, true. After everything breaks bad in the hotel, uh, we get transferred to the hospital, and then there's the killer who goes there to basically finish the job in the hospital. He's trying to kill the cop. He's not trying to kill the guy, right? The guy is already dead. He got shot in the neck. He's done. I think he's there, and I don't know that for sure, but I think he's there to finish the guy off because he knows that he didn't die. Okay. Okay. Because that's when they're like, how is he? And he's like, it's 50-50, it's not good. Like, they're basically like, the cop's going to be fine. He just got shot in the knee. Like, that's fine. But, like, the other guy's not sure, and then the guy dies. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think okay, he's basically that's... there. He's just basically being like, we need to make sure that we cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Maybe it's also for the cop, but he's basically, I'm finishing up unfinished business, right? Like, I, yeah. 
I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Which, again, double tap, I don't know, just do something. Because I think if he wanted to kill the cop, he would have killed the cop, right? Like You're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, he shot him in the knee, you know, assumed paid trained assassins, yeah. right? Like, they're, they're pros at this. He shoots him in the knee. You're right. If he wanted to kill the cop, he'd kill the cop. And also, killing a cop is, like, very, very bad. Right. As opposed to shooting him in the knee and killing the witness. Although, I don't know why you don't shoot the witness a second time unless they want to get out of there quickly, but it also feels like nobody's there. Like, they're in a dumpy hotel where, ostensibly, people wouldn't really be... Nobody's comfortable around gunshots, but it feels like the kind of... Like, the way that it describes the kind of hotel where, like, people mind their own business because everybody's doing something illegal there. Which is funny because this is, like... In the Embarcadero, like on the pier, like you've been to San Francisco? When I drove cross country, I drove through, sort of found a spot near the Golden Gate Bridge, took a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge at night, and then left. Like I was in San Francisco for like 25 minutes. Now, if you go through like the Embarcadero, it's like popping. You're on the fucking bay, right? So like this is like the most expensive, lucrative real estate you can have. Like there's no dumpy hotels there. It's now like a big tourist spot. Right. Which was really funny for me because like I've been there and like stayed in hotels along there. It's a really like nice, expensive place and there's like all kinds of restaurants and stuff like that. But like to see it here where there's like just a pier but, like, no cars and, like, a dumpy hotel was really funny to me because, like, now it's, like, a very, very busy part of the city. So it was interesting. And in that regard, I was I – th- I thought it was funny at the end of the movie when they're basically doing, like, modern TSA checks with, like, checking passports at the airport. Oh, God. Because they're looking for a guy. But it's, like, otherwise, you'd be like, yep, get on the plane. All right, you just get on the plane. But here they're like, okay, yes, you're him. Okay, cool, you're him because they're looking Dude. for the guy. But I was just like, it's funny to see like a modern thing that at the time was like, well, why are they doing this? I was laughing with Rachel that like Bullet notices that he's not on the plane to Rome as he was has he had a ticket for, and he like looks up at the board and goes, hey, is there a guy on the plane to London? And they're like, yeah, he used his ticket from Rome to get on the plane to London. And I was like. Can you imagine, like, trying to do that now? You're, like, you're in the airport. You're, like, at the gate. And you're, like, now change that. Like, and the only thing the... maybe less believable than that is that when they make the plane take a U-turn, they're, like, all right, coming back to the gate. And everybody just, like, files off, like, without complaining. It's just, like, if that happened today, <laughs> people would be, like, what the fuck is going? Like, why am I not going where I'm supposed to be going? Because of this asshole? Like, people would be furious. Yeah. And here they're just, like, all right, we'll be back on soon. Yeah, it was it was such a strange experience to see that. I was like, wow, there's so much chaos going on in this airport. Like, he's like, like, where's this guy at? And they're like, oh, he's getting on a plane to Rome. And they're like, okay. And they just, like, leave. And they don't even, like, show their badges because obviously you don't need to, like, show your, like, ticket to get into the... There's no TSA to get you through. There's no, like, check. He just, like, walks straight to the gate. Yep. And I was like, oh, this is also weird. With a gun! Yeah, with a gun. Nobody checked anything. And they were, like, outside at one point, which I thought was really weird. Yeah. Like, he, like, walks outside, and I'm like... <laughs> You could just, like, stare at these planes. Like, this is so strange to me. When they're in the hospital, though, I was reminded of Elle Driver when she's trying to kill the bride in the first Kill Bill, where she's just, like, ah. got the need. I mean, this is just, like, a, an old, bald guy, like, with gray hair or whatever. You know what I mean? Just, like, he's not yep. exactly Elle Driver. He's not trying to blend in, but I was just, like, he's, like, hiding around with this, like, big, like, looks like a syringe. I was like, oh, little, uh, not Tarantino-esque. Although I did make a note that in the trivia, this is director John Woo's favorite film and William Friedkin's favorite film and inspired them to make movies like Hard Boiled, uh. The French Connection, Jade, and To Live and Die in LA. So like this movie is very not only well regarded and it was like a box office hit and all this different stuff, but like it's influential in inspiring other people to basically make movies about San Francisco, make movies about California, make movies about car chases, whatever. And so, 
You know, yep. this is a movie that people, that filmmakers, like film guys, you know, we were talking about in the opening segment about doing cocaine with Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's those kind of guys that are like, oh, this, the, you know, you want to know a real movie, man? You want to know a real movie? Let's talk about Bullet, man. Let's talk about Bullet. <laughs> I can definitely see Tarantino stealing the L Driver needle thing straight from this movie. I mean, you know, he's like a giant poacher. So yep. I can definitely see him being like, what's oh, just going to look just like Bullet, but it's going to be a blonde woman in a nurse's costume. Like, it's the same thing, though. I don't know if I said it on this podcast or another one that we've done or one with Mike, but there was a series, I'm sure it's still available online, called Everything is a Remix, and they talked about how basically there's no new stories and everything is cribbed and copied from other things. Yeah. Same thing with music. I think it maybe originally started as music, but there's a whole mini series, like a spin-off series, about Quentin Tarantino and basically about like how there's a difference between copying and paying homage and like doing things wrong and doing things well and like it's all complimentary to him, but it's just like if you're interested, if you're like you can see you can watch old movies, you're like, oh, this is that one scene in Kill Bill or like there's uh, Lady Snowblood, which we did for the film club a couple years ago or whatever, right? And yep. like the fight between the bride and Oren Ishii, it's it's that scene. He just took an entire scene, oh, totally, put it yeah. in his movie, and it's like it just with his characters, like it's the same. And but like it's like lovingly done, and like you can use it as a thing to make fun of him, or like if you don't like him, you'd be like, look, the guy's not even making his own movie. But if you're about it, you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Like I know where that's from. I see what he's doing here. It's working beautifully. The Crazy 88s, like, that whole fight scene is lifted from something Mm -hmm. else, too, and so it's cool. So check out everything as a remix. There's a whole thing on Tarantino there, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like like all those homage things, but yeah, yeah, he's the king of them. He just, like, is poaching all of his fun stuff from everything else. At one point in this movie, they go to a car wash, and I was like, how have we not had a car wash in the Fast and Furious movie? Hmm. I don't know what they would do there, but, like... It feels like we should have been at one. I feel like these kind of these kind of feel like guys that are hand wash only. True, that's true. Yeah, self garage, hand wash only is what the kind of guys that they feel like. They have too many stickers and decals. They don't want to go through the manual, like the automatic wash. I think that that's probably why. But at the same time, like Tej didn't have a car wash at some point. You know what I mean? It's weird. You're right. No gas stations and no car washes. Yeah. All of our cars are just beautiful all the time and full yeah. of gas. And then we get to the scene in the movie, which is the car chase. Because, like, because this movie is so compressed over time, like, not a ton happens. Like, it's basically just kind of, like, hard-boiled really sl- detective. Yeah. Work, right? It's bullet trucking yeah. down leads and trying to find who these guys are and basically trying to figure out, like, what happened, how things broke so bad. Yeah, I expected it to be more dense than it was, and it's not. No. It's very, like, upper, it's also like, very slow. top layer. I mean, it's long in old movie standards, but not super long according to today. It's like, a, yeah, like an hour 55, hour 56 or something like that. It's it's good. I mean, it's it's well-paced. It's just that, like, you know, there's scenes that just, like, oh, like, it just feels like there's, like, room to breathe in a way that movies today I know. wouldn't be. And I'm like, oh, like, this just feels different. It's so, it's, it's so luxurious. I'm so comfortable here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's shot. Like, they, there's definitely lots of times that, like, they'll take, like, liberties with, like, the camera angle and stuff like that and, like, make it look pretty in a way that we wouldn't get today without, like, a very distinct reasoning. Either we get, like, Nicholas Wine and Refn that's just, like, all beauty, no substance. I mean, well, like, a lot more beauty than substance. Or we get, like, a lot of, like, action and, like, no beauty. This is, like, you know what? We're going to tell, like, a slower story, but we're going to spread it out to really, like, let you breathe in this. And it feels nice. Because this feels like the kind of story that you could tell in, like, an hour-long drama. Like, this could be, could be like, an episode of, like, not CSI, but something like that. Like you know chips. I mean? 
Yeah, it's something. Yes. Not chips. But chips. yeah, I get what you're saying. Actually, you know, they're in California. Might as well be chips. It might as well be chips. Yeah. Miami Vice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get to the car chase, which is very cool. Bullet notices that there's a Dodge Charger tailing him, and so he manages to basically which, get behind which, them. say it. What? The Dodge Charger, that's Dom's car, man. Oh, yes, of course, of course. I was like, I don't know where you're, but yeah. So there's the Mustang that's the, and the fast Charger. action. Yeah. It's Dom's Charger. And Well, I mean, it's not Dom's Charger. I think this one's a little bit older than the one that Dom has. Yeah, like he notices that these car, this car's been following him, and so he like basically pulls out and pulls around and gets behind them, and like they're just you know trying to like... That's such a badass out. scene, too. That's like one of the coolest parts of the whole scene, that they're following him... And he like makes a left, makes a right, and they like kind of lose him. And they and he just looks in his rear view, and the shot of like the camera looking in the rear view, and you see the Mustang behind him, like run, 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 run. And you're like, oh, that is so cool. Like that really got me going. My favorite moment in this movie, my favorite movie, or my favorite moment in just about any movie that I've seen in a while, is like when the chase begins and the score drops out and the engine just guns it. I was like, oh hell yeah! And they like they hook they hook that hard left turn and then. He he tries to go after them and he sort of gets stopped by the cars and follows after them. But like just yep. that going from a movie to like, oh no, we're in a car chase now. And like we talked about yes. it with Blacktop, we talked about it like Refn did it with Drive. It just, oh no, we're going to use the sounds of the car. And apparently in the original version of the movie or at some earlier version of the script, not only was the, the car chase not in the movie, and I'll talk about that later, what? but they added that. Whoa. I know. Crazy. Okay. But they wanted to score the car chase, and Lalo Schifrin, who did the music, was just like, "No, no, no! Like it, the sound is good enough on its own. Like I, I don't want to do the score here. Like that just that feels like a mistake." Because of the guy who composed the movie basically saying, "Like no, like let's let this stand on its own." It feels like um, incredible, and I think you know they use it again at the yep. end. And I don't know that like the chase through the airport, the chase through the tarmac, especially like the one-on-one like a foot chase. After you have this chase in the middle of the movie, like that can't hold up right like it's not as exciting i felt that exact same way dude i was like how does that not the end of the movie is this car chase right it feels really disjointed that like this really badass part in the middle of the movie happens and you're like god that was mind-blowing and i'm still thinking back on that as i'm watching the rest of the movie and i'm like oh man it kind of distracts me from the real end of the movie in a weird way Especially because the end of the movie, that second chase, they try to do the same thing, I think, where there's no score. Just like, we're going to use the natural sounds. And it's like, well, he did this before, and it was better. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like they're like, oh, we did that one thing, like, let's do it again because it was super cool. But it's like, well, do something different. Or like, I don't I don't know. Them running through the, the runway and the plane sounds are definitely not as cool as the engines just, like, roaring at each other the whole time. There was an episode of Futurama called Benden in the Wind, and it's where Bender... Okay. Have you, do you, are you familiar with Futurama? I mean, I've seen a lot of different episodes, okay. but it's much like The Simpsons to me, where, like, you, I wouldn't know an episode if you told me it. Right. But I've seen... I know all the characters. Well, like, you know the characters. I know the... Okay. Yep. So yes. Bender joins Beck's band. Who's Beck, though? Beck is the art, the musical artist, like the, like the actual performer. Oh, actual Beck. Okay. Beck, Beck, yeah. Okay. You know, one of my favorite jokes in the episode is that, you know, they have the Beck-tionary because Beck just makes up a lot of weird words in his songs and then Bender's yes. like, no, the rhyming Beck-tionary. But <laughs> one summer between years of college, I think it was either high school or college, I think it was college, when I didn't have a job, I watched 
all four seasons of Futurama on DVD, and then I watched all of them with commentary. And so, like, I just soaked in, like, I just loved that show, and I, I soaked in so much information. I really like that show, too, yeah. And one of the episodes is Bending in the Wind. They were talking about this movie, because there's a car chase in that episode. It references Bullet. It's at the end of that, and, like, it's referencing Bullet. But, like, what they pointed out in the commentary, as they're, you know, going through the streets of, like, New San Francisco or whatever, and, yeah. you know, it's all, like, hover cars and everything, there's, like, this green Volkswagen bug that keeps showing up, and like if you see that that's referencing bullet and i was like so in my brain somewhere i was like okay green bug in bullet and so when you're watching the chasing i don't know if you noticed i don't know if you read or if you knew about this but they pass a volkswagen bug three or four times as they're going down like they're basically the same street but they keep passing the same bug i don't know if it was a joke or if it was like they were just like a, a goof or if they were just using the same they didn't have very many cars but like in the span of like 45 seconds like three shots coming down the same you know, steep downhill street, they passed the same Volkswagen bug. <laughs> no, I didn't notice it. That I mean, like, now that you say it, it kind of makes sense in my head, but I didn't notice it at the time. That's really funny. And there's some other car that I think they passed twice. Like, there's a white something or other that they passed twice. But, like, in my head, I was like, okay, Volkswagen bug. Because in this Futurama chase, like, they'll, like, go through the scene, and then, like, all of a sudden, just, like, a bug will just, like, come on screen and just, like, park there. It's just, like, they're alluding to that, but here, like, the bug's just, like, you know, driving slowly down the street, and then the car's, like, zooming past. Go so around it. funny <laughs> that I finally had the context for, like, this reference that's been in my brain for, like, 15 years. You know what I mean? It's just like, Yeah, that's oh, really okay. awesome. That's really awesome. Ch- like, the chase is incredible from start to finish, and then the fact that, like, it sort of ends so abruptly with, like, them just blowing up on yeah. that, like, gas station or whatever. Like, it's just like, oh, shit. Or, like, not the gas station, but, like, they veer off the road and they just, like, hit something and they just, they, the car blows it up. It looks like a gas station to me. I thought it was a gas station. I think, I think it is. But, yeah, it just, like, ends and then he, like, cuts the wheel, almost goes into a ditch and is like, nah, and then just, like, is fine. Yeah. I had another really big, and I don't know if this is, like, a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch, but I had another big uh, fast connection the scene Tell after me. that is that, like, when he's with his, so, like, his car gets fucked up or whatever. Like he needs a he needs a lift from his girlfriend down to Santa Mateo, where they're like investigating the the, the girl because they're like they the yes. clues are starting to come together, right? And she basically so she comes says, gets him in the yellow Porsche, yes. Yeah. And she's saying to him, you know, he's addicted to the violence. She's like worried about him. She doesn't know if she can go on. And I remember, like, in I think it's in seven. Six or seven, when Mia is talking to Brian, and she's like, do you miss the street races? Do you miss Do you miss the women? Do you miss the cars? He's like, no, I miss the blood and the bullets. And it's like, I don't miss, you know, the women. It's just like, I need the action. It feels like that's another direct connection to this character. Like, you're addicted to the thrill of it all, the danger of it all, right? Like, it just, yeah. you know, that's another way that they're very closely knit, closely tied. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good point. And I think that both Bullet and Brian are addicted to the life. Like, they just they just need the thrill of it, right? Like, that's what they're chasing. They're just chasing the hot, the adrenaline. So, yeah, I can see it. I agree with you. And the girlfriends are both brunette. I mean, they're not, like, I, we don't know the girlfriend much at all. Like, she's, like, an architect or something, right? Like, we don't know her like we know Mia. But it's just, like, I think it's that they're, they're similar archetypes and that they're, like, they're loving and they're protective, but they're also scared, right? Which I guess is kind of sort of shallow, sort of shitty characterization. But, you no. know, we, we know but Mia a lot they're better. they're loyal, yeah, they're dependable. Those are good qualities. 
but shitty yeah there's other shitty archetypes in there too when they're waiting like when the big reveal comes through that they're waiting for the passport uh application right they're like standing around the, the teletype the copy type or whatever they call it right and yes. it comes through i was like that's literally from fast and furious 4 oh yeah it's like which one's braga which one's braga and they like wait for it to come through like it's the same thing yep. it's just like but it's it's not to the same i guess dramatic effect because like they're about to arrest one guy and let the other guy go like it's not that but it's the same like we're literally waiting for a face to print out so we know who to arrest. And it's like, oh, it's the same thing. Yep, it's the exact same thing. The teletype thing in this movie was really cool. This wasn't exactly the same because Bullet the whole time knows that it's not him, right? He's just getting it to show them that, like, I was right. They're not all waiting to discover who the real person is, right? He's like, yeah, it's not the guy. And he just, like, pretty much looks at it and, like, hands it off, right? Like, he's like, here, this is, like, what I was trying to fucking tell you the whole time, you dumbasses. And, like, that's what happens. Which is, like, a really badass move, too, by the way. The teletype thing is interesting, and I want to see one of those, or play with one of those. Because did you see how it works? Sort of. I I was also looking up the teletype because it, the word fax, like, the fax machine comes from facsimile because it's like copying it's literally copying at one point because i've never seen one of these i had no idea what it was like at one point at the end he takes the phone off of the top of it there's like a place that you put a phone on the top of it Mm -hmm. and somehow like the phone sounds i'm guessing tell you what to print on the thing so it's like a very strange very strange pre-internet very infant in an internet type thing that was like very cool to me because he has like a hook like on the top that you like hang like so i'm guessing you call something and like or something calls you and, and it's you like take morse the phone. code almost like it's just like vibrations yeah. yeah and it like you put the phone on the top of the thing and then it's like okay and then the machine translate like what the sounds are into like where to print stuff and i can imagine so much shit going wrong with that can you imagine if we had one of these back in the day (laughs) chain mail there was all of these texts from your my cousin's sister that works in the government you start getting the guy motherfucker you're clogging my teletype again have your bullshit did you watch mcmillions on hbo do you know about mcmillions no i have no idea what this is so it is the McDonald's scam, which was like a they they broke this I think on Slate or something a couple of years ago, oh. but the McDonald's monopoly scam, like the monopoly game was rigged, and so there was like this whole story about like, that like basically showed how it happened, and so there's a six part HBO miniseries oh. doc, doc series that came out. This I want to see it. I'm gonna hint that something without don't, spoiling yeah. anything. So also okay, the, don't spoil it for the me. first hour is great, and then it never really quite captures the rest like the rest of it like it's just it shouldn't be six hours long basically it should be like two hours okay so it's good it's not great but there is a thing with a fax machine that i won't say any more about that is like a colossal fuck up that's just like oh no (laughs) but like even you know modern ish day like year 2000 it's just like oh we're still not good with technology yeah i want to watch this that sounds very fascinating to me and as you know we're in lockdown so i need more things to watch so yeah that's why i don't want you to spoil normally i would have been like oh tell me about it i'll watch it anyways but at this point i'm like yeah six hours sounds like a fucking blessing to me (laughs) and then also in terms of the facsimile here in terms of the doppelgangers like we again we've been talking about this a lot lately we really haven't had doppelgangers i mean we have to your point jacob is kind of evil dom but like in terms of lookalikes we haven't really had that yet so like this is something again that fast no we did are you kidding me in six we have the whole lineup that these are bizarro people oh that's true that's true brian this is this is a this looks like me. I guess he's a less handsome me. Yeah, I guess that's more in terms of like what we were talking about with the opening, you know, and Wes saying comparing this to the MCU, it's it's not done for narrative misdirection, but sort of like a 
look at that like it's that's fair us right like i, I, I can agree with that my yes. brain didn't go in that direction but you're right that we have had the hey look you know the pretty blonde is brian even though she's a woman right so yep yeah so they they have done it but they haven't done it like somebody like there's i guess all i guess the one time they did do it is in that in the beginning of six when there's the bald guy that hobbs goes into interrogate you think it's dom uh, but it's not the, dom right? yes so, you think it's dom until he turns around yeah so i guess they have done it never mind you're right <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They, they, no, I wasn't trying. I wasn't movie. even trying to be right. I was just saying, like, I remember a couple, like, at least one of these. So Then, of course, at the end, when there is the chase at the airport, I was like, world's longest runway. It's good that they had the world's longest <laughs> runway that, you know, that he could dive under the plane, which I thought was kind of cool. How do they keep running? How do they keep running under the... First of all, I, I looked at Rachel when we were watching this, and I was like, can you imagine somebody trying to run on the on the runway right now? Like, I mean, you, just you in general. Like, there's there's got to be a guy with a rifle, right? Like, there's got to be, like, in a yeah. tower somewhere. There's got to be someone with a sniper rifle just, like... Like, shoot on sight. Yeah. Like, this guy's dead. Yep. Like, <laughs> okay, so that's step one. But the other thing was, is they, like, run under and in front of planes. And, like, the pilots don't even stop. They're like, oh, guy on the runway again. And they just keep driving the plane. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, because at this point now, you know, post 9-11, if, like, I'm sure if a pilot saw a guy on the runway, they'd be like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? And, like, just stop everything, right? Yeah. Like, the whole airport would shut down. Like, these guys see a guy on the runway, they're like, like, check their watch. They're like, we're, we're not going to make it if we don't get going here. It's like we're driving, there's like a squirrel. Just like, I really hope that we don't hit that squirrel. Like, we're going to kind of steer out of the way a little bit, but, like... <laughs> We're not going to be any worse for wearing this. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, like, when the guy jumps out the back of the plane, like, I didn't know you could just open those doors and, like, how he falls, basically. Like, they can. don't jump, like, 20 feet and, like, don't even hobble away. They're just like, all right, we're good. It's like, what? What? Yeah, so the first guy jumps, and I'm like, oh, God. Like, Rachel's like, his ankles. And I'm like, yeah, that really had to hurt his knees or something. And then Steve McQueen just jumps down and just, like, hits. Yep. Like, doesn't tumble, doesn't stop anything. And they're both, like, the one guy's in a suit with dress shoes on. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? Yep. Like, you guys would get murdered here. Mm -hmm. Like, they must seriously have, like, bad knee problems for, like, the rest of their lives. Well, I mean, the rest of the one guy's life is 20 minutes, right? It's just like, oh, no, like, he's... Well, no, I mean, like, in his real life. Oh. Like, whoever did that stunt is, like, they didn't even do, like, the, like, I expected them to do the jump and the tumble, right? Like, you do the parkour kind of, like, hit it and, and like, roll so yeah. you don't, like, impact as much. No, they hitch dead on and they're just, like, stop and keep running. True. And I have some trivia about, not about that, but about the stunt driving and stuff that I'll get to in a little bit. But I do, I, I knew that trivia. Go ahead, but I want to hear it. No, we'll, we'll get to that when I get to that, because I have a bunch that I'm going to go through. Okay. But anything else, because I mean, we then, you know, they chase him back to the airport, there's the shots, and then the senator comes in, sees the guy dead on the ground, just doesn't say anything, and then, you know, bullet goes home, his girlfriend is still there, nobody's really the What is the aware. significance of that? That, that? that she was just concerned with his bloodlust i think yeah i think she's like i don't know if i can do this anymore basically okay but then she's there so he's like yeah she can yeah and just cool so basically at the end of the weekend where like basically everything went wrong he's everything's basic everything everything's the same that his girlfriend's still there the senator doesn't get mad at him because the senator knows that like a lot of things broke bad right and like yeah he just had like, he just had a bad weekend which is really weird i mean he he actually had a really great weekend like he did good personally sure Everybody else just didn't believe in him enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else that you have? Any other thoughts, any other fast connections that you have to the movie before I uh, hit you with a bunch of trivia? You nailed a whole bunch of the ones that I wanted to talk about, but let me see if I have any more in my notes just real quick. The only other thing about the movie that I really, really enjoyed was that they're laying in bed, and he gets the phone call, and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, and, like, hangs up the phone. She's like, who was it? He was like, go to sleep. 
it's not for you, baby. And just like, <laughs> she's just like, okay. Like, it's like such like a 60s thing to tease. Like, listen, woman, this is man's work. And just hangs up the phone. <laughs> and she's Actually, like totally cool with it. I didn't think about it like that. But in that regard, it's also very kind of a fast connection. Like in the first movie, when Brian wakes up and Mia wakes up next to him. And the, yeah. the, the other voice is just like, if you're in, say, yeah, he just says, yeah. And then he, you know, and then he just leaves, right? It's just, again, yeah. don't worry, woman. Like, I got this. Like, this is just man stuff. Yeah, I like that. And the other thing that I was really happy about with the movie was that there was a black doctor. And I was really excited when I saw a black doctor because I was like, this is an old movie. So, like, to have, like, a young black surgeon, like, that's really cool. And then the guy comes in, like, immediately afterwards <laughs> and it's like, can you get rid of this black doctor for us? And you heard the he's nurse like, is like, li- there's like, he's kind of our best doctor. And she's like, I'll try my best. I'll get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. And then they like, and he keeps coming in like, why is this doctor still here? Yeah. And you're like, okay, guys, I get it. Like, I was really stoked when I first saw him. I was like, oh, this is dope. Like, man, look at how progressive and cool this movie is. That yep. they had, like, a black doctor in the 60s. And then, like, he immediately tries to get rid of him. I was like, fair. That's why you had the black doctor. I yeah. get it. Yeah. So the, the governor was just an idiot. He wasn't in on it, right? It's just like he was an idiot. I think he was just ambitious and like just didn't know what was like he, you know, his his eyes were bigger than his stomach or whatever, right? Like he didn't, Okay. I think he I don't think he was in on it. Because at the beginning, like near the near the beginning, Bullet's trying to like insinuate that he might have given up the witness. Like who knew he was here besides me and my men? Well, I think that's also like I think it goes back to our debate at the beginning of this because i think like how would they know that he was there and it's because the real ross told them where to be that's true they try to put it on this guy though at the beginning like when we don't know it's the real right. ross yet. yeah yeah, yeah. they say that, like he called his girlfriend because there's only like two people there's only like five people or whatever right, who knows that he's there it's the governor yeah it's ross and it's the three cops and the yep. cops like one of the cops got shot so it's probably not him it's not Bullet, unless this movie is, like, really fucking with us. We don't really yeah. know the other cop. The other guy died, so, like, that, it's it just, like, by process of elimination, it has to be Ross, even though the real misdirect is that there's a sixth guy who's the actual Ross, right? So, yeah. I think, based on that elimination, like, Bullet trusting his men, the fifth guy dying, or the fourth guy dying, or whatever, however you want to look at it, the yeah. only guy left is the senator. And so, he's like, well, you have to do, it has to be you. And he's yep. like, no, why unless would... it's somebody else. Right. Yep. But like, why would it be like, cause there's no, like he doesn't come out of this looking good at all. Like if he's in on it, like, and things go bad, like there, he doesn't look good. That's a good point. Yeah. It just fucks up. If it, why would he fuck with himself like that? Right. right? I thought that this movie was going to go in a way that like the governor was kind of like in with the mob and that he had to like make it look like this guy disappeared by accident. And he was, like, manipulating because, like, the police to cover his tracks? Yes. And that he was getting, like, paid off by the mob. Like, he was somehow involved. Like, it was like they had dirty money, and they're giving it to him. Something, something. Yeah, I think that's probably one way that this could have gone. But then I think the more... I think what the movie actually winds up doing is kind of maybe Much a better. little bit of a stretch. Like a doppelganger. Like, a doppelganger thing is never like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, doing that. But... Uh, I think it's, it's much it, better. It's, it's smarter, yeah. I agree. Because then you'd be like, well, why Why is a California senator in with the Chicago mob? Like, that doesn't, like, it kind of makes sense, but it kind of doesn't. You'd be like, wait, what? I agree, and that was um, the end of the, the movie things that I had in my notes. Cool. Um, Steve McQueen is often credited with being the stunt driver in the chase scene, but it was both him and Bud Ekins, E-K-I-N-S, Ekins. I thought there was a third guy, too. There's, like, one guy that did the jumps, one guy that did the stunt driving, and then Steve McQueen as well. Maybe. Or is that is there one guy in the other car, too? Maybe it was the guy in the other car. I, I read that there was a guy that did the jumps, like, another stunt driver, and then Steve McQueen. If that's the case, then this is the guy who did the driving, because... 
Um, from okay. the interior shots looking forward inside the Mustang, if you can see the the, the rear view mirror, if you can see his face, it's Steve yes. Queen. If it's turned in a different direction, it's the Sun Driver. So it's like they're not really really hiding it. But then there's a, a scene later in the movie, or later in the chase, I think when they're like the shotguns or whatever, like the Steve McQueen's face is basically like at, like he's driving in a weird way, like his face is right next to the window. And it's like his way of basically saying like, this is me driving, like they're not covering this up. And so he was very cognizant. Like he wanted to be like, hey, look, I'm doing this. So kind of, yes, Tom Cruise in that, in that way. Do you know the other part of that story? That part where he like overshoots the turn? Yes. Do you know mm-hmm. this? And then like has to reverse in that one part. And that's because he was stunt driving and wanted everybody to see that he's the one who's stunt driving at that point and like overshoots the he, turn. He, like, he missed reverse. the turn and they like it wasn't yeah. supposed to be in there, but they, they left it in because it is kind of cool. It's just like because he does like a it's hard really cool. turn and then backs up. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I liked it a lot. So two Mustangs and two Chargers were used for the chase scene. Both Mustangs yes. were owned by Ford. Shout out Ford v. Ferrari. It's part of a mm-hmm. promotional loan from Warner Brothers, or on, in agreement yep. with Warner Brothers. The cars were modified by veteran auto racer Max Balchowski. You know who the modification guy was? I don't think so. Steve McQueen's, like, best man at his wedding. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, like, was like, oh, no, I only trust this dude. Like, he'll do the modifications. Very Ford versus Ferrari, right? Yeah. And also very yeah. Dom and Jesse kind of, the mad scientist. Exactly. So he was like, I need that guy to like hook up the cars. So like they gave him the cars, but he did all the modifications. Uh, stunt coordinator Carrie Lofton got Bud Eakins to do the drive the Mustang for most of the stunts, this says. Both Dodges were junked after filming, as was one of the Mustangs. I think the Mustang recently, this year, sold for $3.74 million. Yes, it sold at Meekum. And January 22nd this year, like a couple months ago, yep. they finally sold it. Do you know the history of this? Can I tell you some like facts off the top Go of my head? It. Go for it. The Mustang like was in the movie, and then some guy that was like at the studio bought it. Mm-hmm. Okay? He was using it as his daily driver. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he would just drive it back and forth to the studio to the point where it has like a universal... Was it Universal? I think Warner. Warner. So it has like a Warner like sticker like lot sticker like permit tag this guy was looking online not looking online he was like looking and somebody was selling a 68 fastback mustang and he's like oh dude that's like my dream car i want to buy one and so he goes and buys it from the guy from universal he's like oh and this is the bullet car and he's like yeah he's like okay so like universal like makes him like this like bullshit like paperwork that says like this is the car from bullet we can prove it trust us warner right (laughs) so like he gets this paperwork and he's like sick like he has it and then his wife is like a school teacher and she's driving it back and forth to her school <laughs> it has like sixty-five thousand miles on it the clutch blows out and he throws it in his garage he's like ah fuck it i'll fix the clutch eventually it goes to like 2000 now like it's like the year 2000 or like 2005 or something and he's like hey son do you want to like rebuild the bullet car and they're like yeah that sounds like a great idea and so like they're like working on it the dad has like uh, he has some kind of disease. I think it was Parkinson's, but I'm not sure. He gets sick, so they're like, no. And then he's like, okay, come on, like, I'm sick, let's finish this. And they, like, don't do that either. The dad finally dies. They're, like, on a farm, like, fucking in the middle of nowhere. When he dies, the son's like, I have to get, fuck, get this car fixed. Like, me and my dad were working on it. Like, I have to do it. So he goes and gets it, like totally redone as close to original as he can and they still have like the movie like beam in the back of it like the camera holding things and stuff like that but his mom was just like driving it around like back and forth to school for like years imagine like just like a four i mean now a four million dollar car that you're just like oh yeah i'm gonna go to the i'm gonna go to the store and pick up groceries i gotta go to work i gotta just try to drive the 
what will soon be a $4 million car. He originally paid for the car. Do you know what he paid for the car? Like when he bought it, I don't know what year it was, but Probably like nothing. after six grand. Six grad. Okay, cool. Six grad is what he paid for the car, and then his son sells it for three point seven million dollars. Not like a bad come up. Forty years. Not a bad come up. It's the most expensive Ford Mustang ever sold. By well, the way, shout out Ford, and thank you. I mean, until we sell our Mustangs, right? So until we get our two bullet, yeah, we'll be the, they'll be the f- too fast two Mustangs. We have to sell them together as a set. Oh, so apparently, so back this is a while ago. Steve McQueen tried to buy the car. The owner refused to sell it. Yes, that I remember was this a couple years too. ago, and then that was when they introduced the the 2018 Bullet Mustang. Yeah, actually, they they did it before that. He Steve McQueen actually tried to buy it from this guy like in the 70s or 80s. And the guy's like, no, man, it's my dream car. Like, I can't sell it. And Steve McQueen's like, look, I'll buy the car and buy you another fucking 68 Fastback. Give me the bullet car back. And the guy's like, can't sell it to you, bud. Yeah, that's like, you know, like somebody catching a home, like a, like a 3,000 hit or like a 500 yeah. or whatever. And be like, no, like, you're my favorite player. Like, I can't. I, I, this, is, I've all, this is all I ever wanted. Like, I will give you literally anything you want. Please let me have my history. And they're like, nah, nah. You're like, this is mine. This was mine. Like, you, yeah, how do you not sell it back to Steve McQueen, right? Yeah. Like. Speaking of Steve McQueen, he based his character on one of the guys, Dave Toshi, Tashi, who was famous for his work on the Zodiac killings. Um, and apparently oh. his custom fast draw shoulder host holster, which I think they show him getting into at least once, you know, when he's getting ready for yeah. work with his When, it's, when she's eating girlfriend. breakfast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the director wanted the cars to go about 75 to 80 in certain scenes, but they reached well over 110 miles per hour. Very not a fast connection, because no. they only do like 35. <laughs> right. But 177 kilometers, I think, what's the threshold in Tokyo Drift? Is it like over 180? So they still would go after him. No, it was two, it, I think it was 240. It was, it was 140 miles an hour. It was like 220, right? I think okay. it's if you do 220, the cops won't stop you. So it's not fast enough for the cops to stop. Okay. Yeah. People did not want Steve McQueen doing the stunts. Like, his wife, like, he got into, like, an, a minor accident, and his wife, like, called the director and was just like, you can't let Damn. him do anymore. And so that's when they hired Bud Eakins or whatever. And later, uh, they, they were like, how did they not find someone other than Steve McQueen? Like, how did they not get a dummy to do this, like, in the car accidents or whatever? And he wryly replied, they did. Like, basically calling himself a dummy for doing this kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> That's a very Brian thing, right? Like, I want to I wanna be in the action myself as the actor as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of his wife, Steve McQueen did not want to do this movie because he apparently had a lot of run-ins with cops when he was a young man. Uh, but his wife was like, no, you need to do this movie. And so, like, it, you know, it worked That's out. That's so badass. Steve McQueen is, like, s- super cool. Yeah. He exudes cool in this movie. He's not, like, he, he's definitely handsome. He has the Brian blue eyes and stuff like that. He's not Brian pretty, right? Right. But he's very cool. I think he has like the coolness. Like he, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're creating a character, he has like a, a nine in cool, and Brian has like a a six, and Brian has like a nine in pretty, and he has like a six, right? Like they just changed these things. And actually, speaking of cool, this is actually a perfect segue, unknowingly. Uh, so the cops that Steve McQueen rode around with wanted to test his metal. I guess when he was doing like ride-alongs to like learn how it, what it takes to be a cop, right? Yeah. And so they wanted him to test. This is again. What, I'm reading this verbatim because this is one of my favorite trivia. I mean, it's not like a Zach Efron has the bluest blue eyes or whatever, but like, it's written yeah. in a way that I'm just like, okay. The cops that Steve McQueen rode around with wanted to test his metal, so they took him to a morgue. They had to admit that the star was pretty cool when he showed up eating an apple. Cool. Very uh, sphinxy, right? 
mm-hmm. from Gone in 60 Seconds when he's eating the sandwich in the morgue. That's pretty badass. Yeah, I agree. It also reminds me of, you know, Brad Pitt in Ocean's, the Ocean's movies he's always eating. I'm hungry, Tyrese. In Always Sunny. They have like a, a, a few times in that show, they punctuate a joke. Like there's one time where like they open the door and Charlie's like in a full nazi outfit and he's just eating a banana because it's like if he's just a nazi outfit like it's this isn't funny but like if he's there eating a banana then it becomes funny so just like this <laughs> just like food tied into just like oh like he's in like this like he's surrounded by death but he's eating an apple he's pretty cool shout out kyle reinfried the foodie, foodie films man himself foodie films. so bud eakins who drove them who drove the mustang he said also did the motorcycle jump for steve mcqueen in the great escape oh very cool which was that i think cool. five years earlier and apparently i think because Steve McQueen, I think he got a lot of shit for not doing the stunts in that movie, which is why he wanted to do a lot of the driving in this movie. I haven't seen that one either, but there's like these breathtaking stunts apparently in that movie that like people thought that he did, and I guess news broke that he that he didn't or whatever, and so he didn't want to basically like seem, I guess, like less of a man. So like, I'm gonna do this in this movie, right? So, mm, but I think okay. it was just cool, like Bud Eakins, just like I guess he's the guy, right, in the '60s. So, yeah, Bullet's car is a '68 Ford Mustang 390 GT 2 plus two fastback, and the bad yes. guys drove a '68 Dodge Charger 440 Magnum. Uh, do you mm-hmm. want to guess which one had a better quarter mile speed? I bet the Charger did. Charger just barely faster. 13.6 yeah. quarter mile versus a 13.8 second quarter mile. The Mustang wouldn't have been the fastest. I don't know at the time if they had. Sh- I, he probably could have got a Shelby Mustang at the same time. Because, like, Eleanor is what? Like a 69 Shelby GT500. So, like, he could have had a faster one, but it wouldn't have made sense because a cop wouldn't have had a Shelby. You know what I mean? Like, these are all things that factor into that. So, Eleanor yeah, is a 67 makes... Shelby. Ooh. Okay, a year earlier then. I thought it was 67 a 67 GT500 Shelby Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah, so they were definitely making Shelby Cobras that were 68s then. Yeah. Shout out once again. That's cool. Ford v Ferrari. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Eleanor has to definitely be an homage to this car, right? A thousand percent. Probably. That's all I was thinking about when I was seeing it. I was like, well, I mean, I was just like, oh, they definitely, they had to make, because in Gone in 60 Seconds, doesn't he drive down San Francisco and jump it in the same things too? Oh, yeah. He does like the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're like just reshooting this bullet scene. Which is cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, So like I said earlier, the the film's famous chase scene wasn't originally in the script. In the first draft, Detective Frank Bullet was a Boston policeman who ate a lot of ice cream and never solved the case. What? The book had orig- it was based on a book, uh, Mute Witness. And the book had originally okay. been bought with Spencer Tracy in mind, but then when he died, the property fell in the hands of Steve McQueen and a producer who added the chase and changed location to San Francisco. This would have been a much weirder, different movie if it wouldn't have been Steve McQueen being badass and just bumbly with ice cream. This is one of the craziest bits of trivia, is that the guy who's driving the Charger is this guy Bill Hickman. Um, so he's a backup hitman. He's a driver of the Charger. He's just like a stunt driver in real life. Uh, was apparently really good friends with James Dean. And okay. when James Dean died, he was actually following James Dean. Like he was in the car behind him or in front of him or whatever. He was accompanying Dean to a race in Salinas, driving Dean's station wagon and car trailer while Dean drove ahead in his poor spider. So Dean crashed and died. And Bill Hickman, the guy who's driving this other car, is actually the one who took James Dean out of the wreck. Ugh. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really crazy piece of trivia. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know James Dean died in a Porsche either, because that's very surreal that Paul Walker died in a Porsche and James Dean died in a Porsche. 
and they're similar. I guess you know other other reasons why they're similar are linked to him. So yeah, exactly. This movie's also kind of in in addition to being one of the first movies I guess to film in San Francisco or you know noteworthy movies to film in San Francisco. There's a couple of things. This is kind of like a first. Bonnie and Clyde yep. was made a year before. They used squibs, which are kind of remote detonators to show simulate like bullet wounds. Um, yes. But this is one of the first movies to incorporate them with blood packets. So I think instead of just having like I think you can have, like, squibs where just, like, it blows up, like, it just gray kind of, like, looks like a gunshot, but there's no blood. Like, I guess this yeah. with the blood was one of the first ones to do that. Uh, people thought this was the first movie to ever say the word bullshit on screen, but Ooh. In Cold Blood came out a year before, and that said bullshit first. So, but again, one of the first movies to say, cold, uh, to say bullshit. This is also one of the very first films to be rated by the MPAA. It was rated M, which I guess is probably for mature, but then when yes. it came on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, it was changed to PG, which feels too low because the end of this is wildly <laughs> bloody where the guy gets like all shot up and squibbed right but like yeah they like have to cover his face and shit that's very sh- that's a very big jump like i can see it going down to even pg-13 maybe yeah you know it's, it's, R, I don't definitely. Know it R, but it should at least be pg-13 or I don't, I don't know but yeah pg is or maybe it was like when it went on a vhs because like back in the 80s before pg-13 was a thing why raiders and why ghostbusters are just pg is because they're not R-rated movies, but like they're talking about ghost blowjobs and they're talking there's wild violence of Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark, right? And like Yeah. You know the thing that like this is like the first car chase scene too when we're talking about firsts. Really? That that's like the whole point of this movie. That's that car chase with like the cameras in the car and you see the driver and the car chase, this was the first movie to do that. Like every other car chase since this movie's come out has done that. Like has stolen this. They were like the first ones, to like rig the camera, so you see like the driver driving it and the car. Like that's the kind of thing that when you're watching this in retrospect, you might not realize is as important as it was. But you like, yes. if you watch up to this point, you're like, oh my god! But like, it's just like, oh, this feels modern, right? Which I guess is in itself, fifty three years old or fifty two years old is like, oh shit. Yes, that's why it holds up so well. Steve McQueen and, and like the other guy that like the director or whatever before this, you know, they would they would do the thing where cars would drive thirty miles an hour and they'd speed up the film to make it look like it was going faster. But they were like, no, we're just going to shoot it at, you know, 80 miles an hour or 105 or whatever. So it actually is going fast. And, like, that was another thing that they did in Car Chase, in the Car Chase. So, like, that's why it's so pivotal to the Car Chase thing that, like, this was, like, the first modern Car Chase and every Car Chase since is stolen all the things that it did. Very cool. And actually, yeah. speaking of that car chase, there is a, a pretty major fuck up. They had like a car that was filled with dummies that they were basically they just have like, you know, not people that they wanted to go blow up. Right. And like, yeah. it tripped a thing early. You see the car blow up and explode. And then they cut to Steve McQueen's car driving by and the things already like exploded. It's because like they had to like do this like creative editing where like, it's not perfect, but like, they, they blew all this money. Like, it's kind of like the beginning of Tropic Thunder, right? Where, like, they blow a million-dollar explosion just because, like, they <laughs> get the wrong sign. But, like, there was a mess-up here where the thing exploded early, and so they didn't... I guess they didn't have the budget, or they didn't have the time or whatever to reset. And so, instead, they just, like, figured out a way to creatively edit to make it seem, like, less bad. Uh, but shout-out yes. to Ralph Rosenblum. Oh, no. Film editor Frank Keller. So Ralph Rosenblum is this guy who wrote about it. But Frank, film editor Frank Keller salvaged the near ca- catastrophe with a clever and unusual juxtaposition of images that made the explosion appear to go off on time. So that's very just cool. edited in a weird way that like otherwise be like, 
oh, I don't know what to, like, we just, like, this is the end of, like, our big scene, and we messed and up. We fucked what do it. we do? Yeah. The last bit of trivia here is another one of my favorite ways that people just, the, the way that it's, like, written on IMDb, because, again, you know, Wes can't get anything approved on IMDb, but, like, just random teenage <laughs> girls can get stuff approved. So, okay. <laughs> yes. Upset from seeing Bullet unmoved by a murder, Bissette's character, who is the girlfriend, yes. leaves the car on Bayshore Freeway. Moving toward the bay from traffic, she picks a flower seen to be a protected California poppy. Since she's on the state right-of-way, she's committed a misdemeanor in front of her boyfriend police detective. Penalties are $1,000 and six months in jail these days. Hope he didn't notice. <laughs> like that last that line, just, great. hope he didn't notice. Like, it's just, like, a, like I don't, why, what? Oh, God. Love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, this movie had a $4 million budget, made more than $42 million at the box office, worldwide hit... Smash success, critical success, really popular movie, really well done. It's, as you said, as we talked about, its lineage has passed on to many car movies, including our very yeah, own Fast and Furious Yeah, and it's movies. influenced a ton of stuff. Yeah. So this was definitely a good one. I'm, gl- I'm glad that I finally sat down and watched it. I- I'm really glad, um, I'm thankful that you read me all kinds of fun trivia about it, mm. and I'm glad that I learned a bunch of other trivia about it as well. It looks like now, if you want to watch The Great Escape, which is the motorcycle, I guess he's in prison or something, it looks like because the poster is him on a motorcycle jumping over a prison fence. Uh, it's available yeah. to watch on Prime for free. So if you want to watch that, that's up there now since, you know, everybody needs... Well, everybody that we're talking to has nothing but time. Nothing but so time, yeah. Go check out some more Steve McQueen movies. Cool. It was pretty badass. I, I don't think I know many Steve McQueen movies, so I want to. I would watch some more. The big one, the one that I had seen before, is Papillon, Papillion, which is the French word okay. for butterfly, uh, where he plays a prisoner. Why do I feel like I've seen... I feel like I've seen that one, but I don't know where. Maybe like a film class or something. And there's another one I feel like I've seen, seen it, but I don't oh, know. Oh, he was in The Magnificent Seven, the original one, and he was oh, also seen in that. The Blob, yeah. which I mentioned, I think, recently. I don't remember I why, other than just because he played Bullet, but I remember I remember specifically mentioning on this that it's like that 1955-ish? 58? The Blob, 10 years earlier, where he just plays like this very pretty... Like, he's just like... It's his first movie, like just like this high school boy in this town that's mm. being taken over by the blob. So I watched that last year nice. for the first time. And then, yeah, so The, the Great Escape, according to Letterboxd, his, his most popular, you know, the, the movie with the most action on it in terms of reviews and stuff, is The Great yeah. Escape. It's The Great Escape, Magnificent Seven, Bullet, and then Papillon. I liked Magnificent Seven a lot, so that's cool. Well, Joe, next week, you and I are going to do Fast and Furious number four. Like we said before, we're going to skip Tokyo Drift again. We're going to put it later in the lap. But we're going to go sort of, you know, to the movie that has a lot in common in weird ways with this movie. We're going to talk about yeah, Fast strangely. and Furious. Yeah, I'm down. Any other thoughts about Bullet before we wrap up and say goodbye? No, I don't even think we really spoiled too much. Like, go watch the movie. It's excellent. And at least go watch the car chase. Yeah. I, I'm sure you can find the 10-minute car chase online somewhere on YouTube or something. I'm going to search right now. Bullet car chase on YouTube. I'm sure that somebody has it. Yeah, the top thing is a 10-minute 19 just says, I don't own any rights to this song nor video. <laughs> well, thanks, yep. Cavalero. Yeah. The 2019 version, Molly McQueen, maybe his daughter, is in the commercial, I think, for, or maybe it's like a promotional uh, video or something like that. That would make sense. Yeah. Very cool. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at... Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. Come back next week for Fast and Furious number four as we reboot the Mm. franchise. You know, it's weird to do a reboot on what's the third movie instead of the fourth movie, but here we are. That's just the game that we're playing. And check out all 76 episodes now wherever you find podcasts. Damn, that's a lot of episodes. A lot of episodes. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, 
to forever. Peace out, you anus. Anus. Peace, sir. Peace, sir.